I drink your milkshake. You are listening to the Billionaire Podcast Network. Brazil, where hearts were entertaining June. We stood beneath an amber moon and softly murmured someday soon. We kissed and clung together. Then tomorrow was another day. The morning found me miles away with still a million things to say now when twilight dims the sky above recalling thrills of our love there's one thing i'm certain of return i will to old brazil then tomorrow was another day The morning found me miles away With still a million things to say Now, when twilight dims the sky above Recalling thrills of our love There's one thing that I'm certain of Return I will to old Brazil that old brazil man it's old in brazil 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 oh go <laughs> <laughs> and there it is yeah how, how you how you been dd i've been man you know what i'm saying it's 2024 um the world is still being shambled, so nothing has changed. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Thing. Thing. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> things are picking up. Things are. <laughs> if you're who, <laughs> like I just, if you're who, I, I don't know. I don't like to be all gloom and doom and stuff anyway, though. So you're right. Things are picking up, as yeah. it were. Yeah, I just it try ain't to... all bad. Yeah, I just try to focus on what I can in my own life. I got, you know, I got in trouble at work today, so I've started. You got in trouble? What did you do? I don't know. I, you know, it's it's one of these, like, sales jobs, and I'm, like, still not in training, but um, the the realm between realms, like, between training and actually. The probationary period where they're still trying to figure out if they like you. Yeah, exactly. And so. Yeah. Um, they seem to think that my performance is lacking so far, so they want to hold me back for another week. Well, I don't doubt that. You're not a salesman, Dalton, and that's okay. Uh, I find salesmen to be uh, difficult people to deal with. I'm not a salesman. I I can't take a sales job, so. Yeah, I can do it. I mean, I've been doing it, uh, but they just, for whatever, for whatever reason, they, they want me, they feel like there's something that needs to be improved. And so Can I was you like, tell me what you're selling? Is that going to be a problem with your job? Can you tell me what you sell? I don't need to know who you work for. It's like, like inter- internet and cell phone service. And... Oh, okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people who do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Sales, but, but internet and phone, it should sell itself, right? People know they need internet and phone, so. 
Well, they got me doing the, my team. They got us all on the poor people uh, queue. Oh, so yeah, so we we're we're servicing like people that are like mainly are receiving like government assistance. Mm -hmm. So anyone that calls in is looking to get so, some cheaper, sort of, yeah, some sort of like government subsidized internet. Yeah, and so I like, but they still want me to like upsell them, even though they're they're poor and have bad credit. <laughs> so I gotta tell them like. Hey, I know you. I know you're trying to get free internet through the government, but have you considered getting a uh, cell phone also? <laughs> and see, that's what the problem that I have with sales um, ethically, because typically I find that with sales, you're trying to sell people more than what they need or what, more than what they can probably afford. So I'm not able to do that because <laughs> I've been in a position where I don't have much money. And I get very annoyed when people try to sell sell me things. Like, bitch, didn't you just hear me say that I'm broke? The fuck? Why are you pressing me? Oh, well, it's yeah, it's it's nothing. It's not even that the salesperson is ignoring you or dismissing what you said. It's that, if, but especially I have to make their quota, they gotta make their sales. It's yeah, job. especially if it's if it's on the phone, they mm -hmm. have they have to pitch those things to you because there's like nine different levels of managers that are listening to those phone calls oh i know i used to work well i used to work in a call center i used to be in collections uh for mortgage with bank of america when i first moved to dallas and so trying to get payments from people on mortgages this person is four payments behind and you're trying to press me to get them to make payments and clearly they're not able to they've told me they're unemployed they've told me they've had like a medical emergency they don't have the money but mm -hmm. I would get points taken off because again, calls recorded and being monitored. If I don't ask them a certain amount of times to make a payment, it's going to mark against me. So I definitely know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. Even though these people have said, I cannot afford to make this payment at all. I have no money. Yeah, I, I have no idea how I'm going to be able to continue to afford this house. And you want me to press them for a payment. So I get it. Yeah, it's it's tough working for a corporation. Um, I'd rather work for a small business or myself. I'm not there yet. Um, but you'll get there. The plan the plan was to only like work this job for a certain amount of time until I could put something on my resume and jump to like a tech like startup, like some software company, like those mm -hmm. like SaaS jobs. Yeah. Software as a service because that's that's a that as a sales job is better and it's an easier sell because I'm I'd be calling businesses and not poor people. Um, but it looks like I might be fast tracked. I might just have to lie on my resume and start oh, yeah. looking for something else because if they're already, I mean, I don't know, I don't know like what this entails, like, but they're they're already telling me that it's like me and a few other people have to. They want to absolutely make sure that we're ready and prepared for the full production schedule. And I'm like, all right, I mean, I see the writing on the wall here. Right. Are you are you are you actually ready to like really uh, hold these poor people's nuts to the fire? Are you ready to do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's like there is I mean, there is an element of it that's like predatory. Like they try and tell us, like, you know, you gotta fight and grind and do what you can to mm. push that push that cell phone on them. And I'm like, these people are already fucking broke. And chances are, 
they're going to fail the credit check and then just like give up at that point. Cause if you fail a credit check for any shit like this with anything, if you, if your credit sucks, you can certainly bypass that. If you just have a fuckload of money on hand that you can hand over. Right. Um, Who has that much money on it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, already. Yeah, it's, it's like, what, are you like a rapper who finally had a good day? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, did you, are you nouveau reach? Did you win the lottery somehow? You know, did you hit the numbers? Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's what I'm going to have to do is just get a bunch of money and in, instead of having good credit, just have uh, cash. Well, uh, yeah. um, that's what we all aspire to. I mean, credit, honestly, fuck it. I just want the money. Exactly, yeah. I don't know how money works. Did you see? Did you see that report that came out? That you know? Do you know who Richard Kiyosaki is? Richard Kiyosaki is he that dude that writes for the Economist? It, maybe he. I'll, what I know him from is he's been selling a book for the last thirty years called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he wrote for the Economist. Yeah, it, he probably does. Yeah, I, I and he's big on TikTok now. Like I see clips of him on podcasts. Didn't they say that? Half of that book was fabricated. Like, didn't they say like he made up a lot of that shit? Oh yeah, he seems like a total Listen. huckster. Um, okay. but he's he, you know he's a big time investor, real estate, all this kind of stuff. And he's always just talking about money mm-hmm. and how money works. And there was like something that was going around recently that he he revealed that he is one point two billion dollars in debt. Well, and, good for you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I saw that and I was like reading all these comments on Twitter about it where people were saying, well, if you if you had read the book, you would know this, that there's good debt and bad debt. Bad debt. Yeah. And he, he talks about how to leverage good debt and do arbitrage and whatever these finance words are. And I I I just was like, what well, good the- debt is like hard assets, like property and things like that. Yeah, but. Even so, then, when you're talking, like, when they were, like, coming to his defense, and I'm like, what the fuck does he, none of this makes any fucking sense. How can you, how can you owe $1.2 billion, and somehow that's like, no, nah, that's actually a good thing. That's. <laughs> the way rich people lie to themselves is hilarious. And if you work in finance like I have for this long, you begin to understand how delusional they are about their financial situations. And not just delusional, just the understanding that none of this money shit is real. They understand that more than everybody. Yeah. What's that, who has that matter. who has that quote? I think it's like one of the Rockefellers or something has a quote where he said, uh, if you owe the bank a hundred dollars, it's your problem. If you Ooh. owe if you owe the bank a million dollars, it's the bank's problem. That's the problem. bank's problem. <laughs> exactly. And and that's how and that's really how that works. Uh, because banks, they do go after, not even just banks, the IRS, all these major corporations, they go after the small money because it's easier to get. Yeah. The big money is kind of like they just, they, they it's almost like they, they write it off, you know, and uh, it is just one of those things where it's just uh, expensive to be poor. Mm-hmm. Yep. So rich people can be in debt this much yep. and it don't even touch them. Because it's such an astronomical figure. Uh banks and stuff, they know that they can't collect on it. Have you they, have you they ever know that there's no way they get it? Yeah, have have you ever heard of the uh the Captain Vimes economic theory of boots? Economic theory of boots, no. <laughs> there's there's a um like fantasy novel series called Discworld. Okay. 
uh, of which I'm I'm a fan. I've read, I read like 13 of them. I think it's 40 13. or something. Yeah, there's like 40 of them all together. It's a fantasy series about a, a, a fantasy sword and sorcery planet called Discworld. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a big flat disc that sits on the backs of four elephants. Okay, yeah. Who are standing on the back of a giant turtle? A giant tur- yeah, yeah, they have yeah. The whole Buddhist. Isn't that a Buddhist theory? Yeah, it's borrowing a okay. lot from like Eastern mysticism. Okay, um, and there's tons and tons of books in the series, and like each one, you know, they're not like linear or follow like one narrative. Like one book will follow mm-hmm. one character, another another character, or whatever. And one of the more popular books is called Guards Guards, and it's the mm-hmm. introduction of. The classic Discworld character, Captain Vimes, who is the um, the captain of the Night Watch of uh, the city of Ankh Morpork, and there's a there's a, a scene in the book where he's talking about his economic theory of boots, how like the uh, you know people in this town, the guards and everybody need to buy boots. And he's like, you know, if you don't have money, if you're poor, it's it's actually you end up spending more money on boots because you you buy what you you know you buy what you can afford at the time just cheap boots but they don't last long so you gotta buy more boots yeah so you just you're constantly buying new boots and you spend more money on shitty boots because you can't buy the 250 dollar joints yeah (laughs) about the 50 dollar joints that's gonna last a few months and there's a whole there's a separate wikipedia article about this the the it's like a legit economic theory to some people is the Captain Vimes theory of Well, boots. it is it is uh, rooted in the theory that it is expensive to be poor when it comes to things like late fees, overdraft fees, when it comes to uh, collection accounts and how it affects your credit in such a negative way. So you have to pay more for other things because of the negative effects it has on your credit. Like say somebody like me who has decent credit, I can get approved to live in a nicer apartment that won't have all these and they won't charge me more for it. I will get the rate that they, you know, the lowest rate. But somebody with bad credit, either they're gonna have to come up, come up with more of a deposit or their rent may be higher because of their poor credit history. Doesn't extend because of the late charges and all this other shit. So, you know, it is expensive to be poor. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. I'm doing it now. Uh like poor people have to live farther away from where they work, so they have to spend more money on gas and stuff. They have to spend more money on car maintenance and things like that. They're not able to live locally to where they work because it's more expensive to live in the city. They can't afford that, so they have to live somewhere further away. But it costs more to get there every day. They got to pay more tolls. They got to pay more gas, more maintenance on their car. Um, they probably have to buy, you know, more food on the way. They probably nickel and diamond themselves at the drive-through. So all of these things, they they work together. To keep poor people out of this advantage. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I'm dealing. I'm dealing with it now. But the you know, po- poverty is a mindset. You know, you just gotta change your. <laughs> you gotta change your mindset. And that's the thing. You know, the billionaire uh, boys podcast network. I feel it. <laughs> I love. It. I love it so much because you know it is a mindset. You have to uh, have a mindset of abundance and uh, affluence, and mm-hmm. that way, you know, uh, that's what they say. The energy. Uh, around you supports that. That's the two. That's the the two things that hold people back the most in this life is, is mindset mm-hmm. and uh, you know substances. You know, getting getting hooked on the sauce, doing drugs, mm-hmm. all that. 
Amen. Yeah, it's it's that. And I if, hear you, brother. Yeah, and if you, if you just if you're just defeatist, if you know if you have a defeatist mindset, you know you'll you'll thinking 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 thinking. Yeah, you know. exactly. But no, I really, you know, I really had to change my mind around stuff like that around 2019. Like shit got to where I just bottomed out, and not just but not because of like substance abuse anything like that, just because of the expense of being poor. Just because when you, as an adult, if you are unemployed for a certain length of time, it pretty much completely fucks you. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. So, right. So I was unemployed or underemployed for like a year and a half, and it completely fucked me to where I had literally nothing left. But I decided, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll believe I'm rich until I, <laughs> until it actually happens. And slowly but shortly, I'm getting there. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, and, gonna, and I'm just gonna continue to believe I'm a wealthy bitch until it actually happens. Fake it till you make it, exactly. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm to quote Lanethia Leaks, I'm very rich. <laughs> and you know, you you and I are smart, and we haven't had uh children yet, children. Hey man, cause fuck kids, man. I'm a, <laughs> I'm one abortion down, and abortion is expensive. Talk about the poor people staying poor. They they take me for. <laughs> Had to take out a loan to get rid of a kid. I feel like it was like extortion. Yeah, it's yeah, it is expensive. I've never had to go so, that route. I who um, good for you? I you know yeah. The only time the only time I've ever um, inseminated a woman, she had a, an IUD. So okay, well, there was you. yeah no no concern there. No, <laughs> I like how you say inseminate. It's like you you did it with a turkey baster or something. Just, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to say like, like it bust, was a... bust inside is so crass. Shot the club up. Shot the club up. Yeah. <laughs> As it were. Yeah. You know, as a woman, it's really easy to get nutted in. I found. Uh, it's just it's really the other way around. For y'all, it's not as easy to to do it. You know, it takes a little bit more uh, convincing. Wait, it's not as easy for a guy to nut inside? Right. Well, because, you know, it takes some convincing. You know, it may take some uh, campaigning on y'all part, I imagine. I I would imagine that women, well, I don't as a woman. I don't just let dudes just... You know, yeah, it's it's not something that I would hit want. Hit me with that juice. Like, unless I'm just... trying to conceive a child, it's not something I would want to do. It's just the, the, the time just, it happens. I just think it just feels nice. Yeah, well, yeah, it feels great. Yeah, I mean, the time the time it happened, she she said it. She was like, "I, you know, there's no way for me to get pregnant." She was like, "Please, it, it, you know, if it pleases you, sir, uh, feel free to." <laughs> <laughs> then she really hit you with the sir adulting. Uh, yeah, because she yeah, because she was from across the pond, so she was like, "If it if it pleases the sir, the, the, the sir." <laughs> Hey, Colin, sir. Colin, sir, if it pleases me. <laughs> no, she was a, no, she wasn't British. She was, well, I guess technically British. I don't know. I don't, I'm learning things about Britain. I don't what know. Was what was she, I, a Welsh woman? What she's Irish. Oh, it's from the land of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. She was, her visa was up. So she was getting like two good weeks of uh, pretty bad sex before she had to go back to Ireland. Yeah, I feel like our Irish dick has to be good. I feel like Irish and Scottish dick might be like top tier white dick, if I had to guess. Like, I've heard, just... it's, I've heard it's tiny. Tiny? No, I just feel like Scotsmen 
you gotta have a big dick like just the sound of their voice it sounds like you got a big dick the way you talk <laughs> scottish people yeah maybe like it just sounds like they work you with something and i could be wrong my research continues i have to get over there and find <laughs> out speaking of speaking of tiny dicks i, I think <laughs> i'm going viral because of tiny penises right now oh is it is your uh your penis uh review material doing well <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've I've expanded my field of study. I to... enjoyed it. I I like the one that you did on old boy from whose name I never will remember from uh, the bear. Jeremy uh, Allen White. Yes, Jaw. His name is Jaw. Yes. Jaw. Um, yeah. So no, I did. I did another gonna, one. I thought you were gonna make a play on that, so I would like to jaw that penis, something like that. To it. I, I should I have. Yeah. Let's have have a little jaw session here about this <laughs> uh, this man's penis. But um, yeah, um, I, I did enjoy that. I was like, oh, look at this. He's somehow, just when I thought he thought of it all, he's expanded <laughs> his territory. No, there was a there was another one. There was a, a dick video that came out today in uh, the, the Bass Pro Shops in Leeds, Alabama. Uh, somebody recorded a video. There was a guy, some guy in his 40s was having like a manic episode. And, oh, you gonna be okay? <laughs> <laughs> edit that out I'm choking on Prosecco <laughs> what are you wait what are you choking on Prosecco oh no, Prosecco okay oh is that a Stanley Cup <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the fuck not this is a roommate okay Um. but anyway Bass Pro Shops so yeah, so the the Bass Pro Shops in Leeds, Alabama, which is like right outside of Birmingham. Um, somebody got a video of this, but there was a guy in his like forties having like a manic episode, and he had stripped naked, buck naked, and climbed. Oh, that the thumbnail that I saw. Yeah, and he climbed. He climbed into the aquarium, buck naked, and was just swimming around. Well, good for and, him. Yeah, and in the video, he has. The smallest dick and balls that anyone has ever seen. <laughs> so in, unbelievable. In history. So unbelievably tiny. <laughs> I was like, man, this sucks. Welcome God back to Twitter tally whack. I'm looking at it now. It does look it does look wee. Yeah. Well, I censored it in my video, which is yeah, funny no, because but even even the dot, you know, it looks like you didn't have to cover much. It's it's so crazy how small it is, because even the picture of them like the cops walking him out, you you get a better look at it, and it's I mean it's crazy. His dick and I've never seen penis and balls that are small. I've seen, yeah, I've seen tiny penis, but still like regular good sized balls. I've Pretty never seen it where well. both are tiny, like uh like peanuts and a, a little chili pepper just sitting there. Oh yeah, it's it, it, it's you know I I commend him for his uh you know bravery and uh, well, it isn't bravery. It's a manic episode. The motherfucker's crazy. It's a manic episode. It's also a crime. It's in indecent exposure, and it could probably put him on some sort of like sex offender registry. Well, I'm sure there were children at the Bass Pro Shop that he brandished his tiny penis to. Yeah, but I I made a I just made a video talking to, like in defense of. Uh, sh shrinkage basically is the thesis. I'm sure the water was very cold. It had to be cold, yeah. I'm sure but, the water uh, was very cold. Yeah, so I but I posted that on um X, formerly Twitter, mm -hmm. and it's got a uh, 
The last I checked, it's, it's it, it cleared over a million views. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like a million people have watched it. What the fuck? Well, well I, I jumped off X um, as soon as my the icon changed to an X. But that is amazing. But I think on X, there would be a lot of people who would be interested in that content with what's left over there. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I smaller than I've been primarily using the platform because I I saw that if you subscribe to the, the premium thing, you can post mm. long videos. Uh, okay. And so I just uh I decided to go ahead and do that so I could use it as a video platform to like get traction and just like because I I feel I feel like I what I do. What I'm trying to do, like, I would be better served if I could just do videos instead of trying to, like, come up with, like, quips and witty things to type out and try and be part of the culture war. Mm -hmm. It would be better to just cut through that and just be able to post five or six minute videos. So I've been using it that way. And it's like, it works yeah. out. Like, every now and then I get something that hits pretty big and then I get, like, a big... Like this. This is that's great. Yeah, I get so a bunch are you, of... So are you banned from TikTok like a lot of other people? Yeah, my original account got banned, and then the new account, they just strike everything down that I try to post, so it's, I just don't even use it anymore. I use it to record, like, the the native, like, recording function in TikTok Ooh. is good for, like, making videos. Right. But once I make a video, I just save it to my phone, I just never yeah, put just it Yeah, just download it. Yeah. But that's the thing about TikTok that I don't understand. It seems they don't like anything. Uh... No, it seems they don't want you to say anything, even if it's just true. Like if I notice, like true crime people when they talk about murders, they say unalive, unalive, yeah. And I'm just kind of like, y'all can't even say the word murder. You can't say Cause, kill, cause that's murder. What you, that's what I'm saying. If that's what happened, if you're saying that somebody killed somebody, that's she just was unalive. She was great and unalive. Right. And it's like, look, <laughs> if that's, I can see if you were threatening that to somebody, or if you were make it maybe making fun of it in a weird way uh that was degrading to the to the victim but just to state it as a fact of this happened yeah it's it's, it's kind of weird too it's a, it's a weird platform and yeah they don't seem to really like anything there and i don't really know what it does for you like there's people on there that have millions of follow followers and they ain't making any fucking money on it so right is uh, i guess it's a visibility thing yeah, and the platform doesn't encourage you to promote other stuff necessarily. Like they mm -hmm. want, they want everything to be on TikTok because because like, if I'm not making money on TikTok, if there's no chance that that's going to happen, then the only reason I would be using the platform is to create things to generate interest in other stuff that I'm doing. And it's just like a content aggregator. It's just. Yeah, like if I'm posting on there, it's really because I want people to come to the YouTube channel or something right. like that, Patreon, like whatever it may be. But the actual platform itself just doesn't doesn't seem to work, and it, it'll probably like it seems like they're cannibalizing themselves with how strict they are, and mm. what is getting pushed out is so unappealing to most people. It's like yeah, I don't this. open the TikTok app at all. To yeah, be quite honest, I don't. I'll, I'll beat off to some stuff on TikTok. <laughs> wait, you how know? can you wait as strict as they are about content? How could you find anything to beat off to? There's some stuff on there that's not. It's not necessarily pornographic, but it offers something that one would not find in pornography. 
do you beat off to people making pasta from scratch? Because I can see that. No, like close up, like like close up kisses. Interesting. Um, Yeah, like like simulating like I'm kissing a woman. Wow. Yeah, so that does it for you, huh? Yeah, so it's just a close up of a a woman's lips, and she's giving me kisses. Wow. Or licking the licking the camera, and you you can hear all the mouth noises, stuff like that. You know. Ew. My yeah. stomach. You know, I just take, I can't take mouth noises. I can't. <laughs> I can't tolerate it at all. It's just right. Yeah, it's it, a lot know, for me. Depends on what I'm what I'm in the mood for. I suppose if I want if I want close up kisses, I'm just like I the pasta from scratch making videos. They do arouse me. Uh, I love the cooking content. I love it. Yeah, I someone... watch I watch a lot of cooking content on TikTok. If I ever do venture over to TikTok, it's literally because I'm looking for like cooking stuff. Yeah, I mean that's my dream is to just go eat like good ass food at places and see how it's made and maybe even learn how to cook myself. Cause I know how to cook, but I never do it. it. They just make it look so easy. I have all these things in my kitchen that I can make wonderful food with, and I just decide not to because just the thought of it is overwhelming. It's like I gotta go to the store. I gotta make. I gotta make a list before I go to the store. Yeah, the I last have to measure things. I the... just don't. The last time I ever I gave myself like a nice cooking project where it was like I'm gonna actually cook something that's takes some skill was during the pandemic. I uh made I went ahead and you know gave it a whirl, made a ratatouille. Oh, ratatouille! Okay, and it was very good. I ate on that for days. I had just a big big tray of ratatouille. The last time I really, really cooked was for that winter storm that hit Texas that destroyed everything. Uh, and most of, most of our wills live, mainly. But, <laughs> like, right before the storm hit, I made a giant pot of delicious chili. And that was the last time I really cooked. Because I cook, like, little small shit all the time. Like, I'll make pasta or whatever. I'll cook down a pork chop or something. But I haven't really, like, put some thought and time into yeah. cooking since then. What's your fa- what's your favorite noodle? My favorite noodle. Well, as far as me eating a noodle, I'm a fan of the rotini. The rotini. I enjoy, good, I enjoy rotini. My least favorite is a rigatoni. I hate it. It has a hole in the middle, a big <laughs> hole. That's dumb to me. I don't know why anybody would like macaroni. Sure. But it's a tiny hole. I don't want a giant hole in the middle of my pasta. This is dumb. I hate it. Okay. Uh, yeah, ro- rotini's a fun shape. I love it. I love rotini. <laughs> um, I love a and, fettuccine. I like watching them make the fettuccines. I love that. Yeah, I love watching people mm-hmm. make pasta. I do. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't know why. I don't know why. And I've never. I've never made well, I have made pasta before, but that was a long, long time ago. Anyway, yeah, I've never done it. It looks it looks daunting. It's uh, really not that hard. It's just a lot of, you know, time. Yeah. You gotta do a lot of folding and kneading and and pressing and all this other shit. But no, it's not so bad. Yeah. I do like angel hair, even though I feel like that might I love be, angel hair. Yeah, I always wondered if that is that like a trashy pasta noodle. I don't that, know. I, it is. I guess maybe it is a bit pedestrian. I don't know. But I because when it. I because when I was a kid, like the reason I like angel hair is because it was it was the pasta in like pasta roni. Right. It's a good pasta. <laughs> it's I, I the San Francisco it. treat. 
Because my mama, when she would make a, a spaghetti at the house, she would use angel hair, and it was my favorite. I would feel a way when she would use, like, the big spaghetti. It's like, why are you giving me this with this? Yeah, this it's, not as fun. it's not as fun as the angel hair. <laughs> it's not nearly as fun. So, yeah, I don't I don't like bow ties. Well, I do like fried bow ties. Let me take Bow tie is a fun, it's a fun shape. I like a fried bow tie pasta, but just eating pasta with bow ties. What is this? Why are we here? Shells? I like a good shell. I like a cheesy shell. Yeah. I love, I love shells. A, I love a cheesy shell. Um, I find it interesting the way they make them. Like when they make pasta like that, I'm always mystified. You know, it's just the way that they take, you know, their their little tiny tools and they they make the hole in it and they make it, you know, just just so perfect. It's like this this took love. This took energy to make this. Oh yeah. This little tiny pasta. Yeah, ravi raviolis. I love a ravioli. <laughs> I like a smaller ravioli. I don't want no big ravioli. Don't give me like a ravioli pasta and they got five of them in the bowl. Don't do me like that. Oh, yeah. I don't. Uh, I, but you know, a ravioli that's stuffed with like some good a good filling, like a ravioli with the cheese and the spinach in it, Ooh. like the feta and the. I fuck with that. I fuck with like a good ravioli that's got some decent stuffings. Oh yeah, I love that. I love it when it's, when it's got the good stuff. <laughs> you know, the good there's stuff. There's a there's a video that was going around that went viral recently. It's an old old video of uh, Marco Pierre so, White. Okay. You know this like the, one of the early celebrity chefs, Marco Pierre White. Mm-hmm. It's Is him. That, wait, no, I'm thinking of Molto Mario. I don't know. If, uh, no, no, he's the, he's the the rapist celebrity yeah. chef. He's the yeah. No, Mar- Marco Pierre White is one of the, um, I guess, like the OGs. Of... Oh, yeah, I do know it. <laughs> yeah, there's a video that was going around of him uh, preparing this, like, lobster ravioli. Ooh. And his his assistant, his sous chef in the video is an extremely young Gordon Ramsay. Oh, how cute is that? Yeah. Was he swearing then? No. Was he then? His tail is tucked between his legs and he's just like, yes, chef. Right away, chef. <laughs> Whatever you say, chef. <laughs> like, the the torment that people in restaurants go through. I just oh, it's so stupid. I said I'll never work. I said I'll never work in a restaurant again. Yeah. I worked at like everybody in South Louisiana. We've all worked in our share of restaurants, and I'll just never do it again. Yeah, that's the thing about that show, The Bear, which I, I haven't watched it, but I've seen clips I love of it. it so and I'm much. like, I love it. But I'm like, who would do this for what? Like, what? What, what? What are you getting paid? Is it that's worth this? <laughs> I mean, have you watched the one uh, where Ray finds that movie? What's it? What's it called? The Menu. The Menu. I really enjoyed that movie. Yes. I love that movie, but the you know it's about the psychological uh, torment one endures to be a chef of the highest quality and yeah. uh, to work with said chefs. And the yeah, way I thought they feel that like movie... they could talk to you anyway, and they, they feel like they could treat you any kind of way. Yeah, and I thought that movie was like a broader commentary on just art in general. Yeah. Um, just how you know you got to be ready to kill and be killed for your the thing you love. But not just that. I found it very poignant. I think somebody. I think it was like a line in the movie about how we just go through all this to just painstakingly create these these you know just just. Uh, great works of art on a plate and it's so important because it's not just art it's like it it feeds you it gives people nutrition people need food to live and then they make it so beautiful and you just shit it out and i'm just like yeah 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 i mean i you know i like man 
I, this is what sucks about not not really having money. Yeah. I understand how ridiculous it is to spend twelve hundred dollars to go to a restaurant. Right. It's also something I I want to do so bad. Yeah, I can't say that I wouldn't do it. I cannot <laughs> sit here and tell you that if I had the money, that I would not do that. Oh man. I'm like, if I had that kind of money, I'd ball out at restaurants. I'd be spending crazy money on food. I would. I probably would. That's probably where most of my money will go once I'm wealthy. It would be to dining experiences. Once, yeah. Once you're once you're brought on as a partner of the <laughs> billionaire podcast <laughs> network, ching, ming, 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 did, did you fill her up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> money, 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 money. But yeah, I, I can't knock people for spending that money on food. But it has to be good. Like if I go to somewhere and that money is and like I spend that much money and it's white, I'm cussing everybody out. It's just like old girl said it then. I understand it too. But you done gave me a history lesson and I'm still fucking hungry. <laughs> yeah. This is dumb. I love that I movie. You, you know what you know what's really great about that movie is <clears throat> is it's another great example, another great performance from who who is now one of our beloved character actors, John Leguizamo? Ah, John Leguizamo. He's he a has man in that film, and I enjoyed it. He he has really found his place in entertainment as just a guy that shows up and just very subtly makes the movie awesome. Right, he's just a dude. <laughs> yeah he's he's not a leading man like there was a time when he was like trying to be a leading they tried man. to make it happen what was it the uh the, the pest, pest. Was it? yeah <laughs> and he's and good and he's really good in two wong fu i love sure. i mean chichi rodriguez that's my that's my dog right there i, I love, love i chichi. love that movie yeah that's a really fun movie um, it's a great movie yeah i'm way ahead of its time too <laughs> that's right. such a crazy if, if movie. You, they made people feel good about the drag queens and now the Republicans are trying to take all of that good feeling away. They put Wesley Snipes in a dress. That's Wesley what they try Snipes to do. Wesley Snipes in a dress. They Pass do that to every black man Pass. that come to Hollywood is they're trying to put his ass <laughs> well, in a dress. I can't I can't really uh you know bite back at that because Cat Williams is correct. They uh because <laughs> yeah, I this has I been a... because I haven't seen Bill Burr in a dress to date. Uh Joe Rogan, I haven't seen that man in a dress. Uh, I never saw George Carlin in a dress. Um, none of them. Yeah, I so, guess so, you know. Nobody ever put, you know, Bill Hicks in a dress or tried to. It's just, even on Saturday Night Live, there's not a lot of men dressing up as women just because. Like, I can understand, like, kids in the hall, because it was an all-male cast, obviously. Somebody's yeah. going to have to put on a dress. It's very Shakespearean, right? But, you know. In a situation where men don't have to put on a dress, they don't. When it comes and, to white dudes, but every time you see a black, like every black male comedian, <laughs> I know that's really big. Like Jamie Foxx has been in a dress. Uh, Martin Lawrence has been in a dress. Eddie Murphy has been in a dress. Like it's just, it just seems like they want you to do it. Could be, could be one of the great conspiracies. One of the many conspiracies that Cat Williams talked about. What? it's not even a conspiracy in my opinion it's just it makes I think black people understand that it makes us more acceptable or rather black men understand that it makes it easier to to accept us being around yeah. um, you know Flip Wilson did it it's just one of those things 
that we just know to be true. And who doesn't love a cross-dresser, I say? I love drag performances. <laughs> yeah. Ru- just, RuPaul. Ru- RuPaul. RuPaul. That's somebody, black, a black a black dude who put on a dress who made a whole bunch of money off of it. So I can't even be mad. Um, Little Richard, in his uh, documentary, they were talking about how he played up his feminine side because it made it safe for him to be around white people's women. Like, told, oh, you can perform for my teenage daughter because you don't even like girls. We love it. You're a sissy. How could you, how would you rape my white daughter? James Brown was a different story. He was a little bit much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's kind of like to soften the, the image. To emasculate, to further emasculate the black man is the, I mean, this country has done for hundreds of years now. Try very hard to do it. Um, but I, 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 like I said, I don't see it as a conspiracy. I think it's just like an understanding of this is what we do to soften our image enough to make us more palatable. Right. Did you did you watch the whole that whole interview, that whole three hours? I watched all two hours and forty five minutes of it in eighteen <laughs> seconds. I, I got watched... like twenty minutes left. So I've, I've been watching it, and this is the thing about black comedians. We most of us watched it live. There were, you can, the, the text conversations, the group texts abounded. We were on phone calls all day about the Cat Williams interview <laughs> on Club Station. <laughs> and I'm, I wish I could lie to you. We still talked about that shit. We still like critically deconstructing what we witnessed. Uh, so It was pretty magnificent. It, he confirmed what you said about Jonathan Majors. He was like, I love white women, but I'm scared of them. You ought, to, you ought to be if you're in that type of position because uh, like he said if we didn't gave you this we could take it away like us giving this to you you have to have the understanding we could take this shit away from you at any time and God, God help them they did so because as soon as that guilty virtue came <laughs> Marvel yeah. was like nope <laughs> you're done here yeah so, I, I certainly found it refreshing to see somebody at that level in the entertainment industry just completely let loose <laughs> just like re- remove any sort of pleasantries or just like the facade of playing the game you know like being part of that system and just be like fuck steve harvey he's he's a bitch <laughs> ice cube well <laughs> like he's just, just like he really came in there on some fuck everybody's shit he just did yeah and but the, the thing is is he's so uh famous and so well respected and good at what he does that the only response any of these people have that i've seen in in, in the since that thing dropped is basically like begging him to to still like them in some way yeah absolutely i wouldn't respond the only one who hasn't is kevin hart Oh yeah, Kevin Kevin Hart's stewing. He's got to be hurt. No, he's, he's not hurt. He's basically made fun of the way that Cat Williams made fun of him. Um, he's on the show. I don't even know the name of it because I've never seen it. And it's basically about sports. And he basically leaned into everything. He was saying crazy. You know, uh, Cat Williams used to own the Knicks, but he bought it back with a receipt after thirty days. Only time that's ever happened in the NBA. You know, Cat used to actually play for the Knicks. He runs three nine. He runs a three nine forty three point nine seconds. Like yeah. he just he. He leaned into it and basically made fun of the whole thing. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't come for Cat and say Cat's... He didn't say Cat's a liar, <laughs> but he essentially 
uh, you know, made fun of the fact that he's saying some outrageous stuff. It certainly and, seemed like Cat was telling him some tall tales. 3,000 books a year? That's roughly, like, 8.2 books a day. <laughs> when I was 12, they wanted me to be an astronaut. But, but I, they say he's actually in Mensa. They say that. They say I've heard actually- I've heard that, and he certainly, he, he is very eloquent, and seems like but he he's is super intelligent let me give you the numbers though this this is a very intelligent man because when you go back through club shay shay um shannon sharp's uh youtube page and you look at the numbers for his previous guests so let's go all the back way back like four months um so if i go all the way back to great kind of, uh, let's see a, a person of note marshawn lynch Three months ago, he got 3.1 million views. That's th- that's an aggregate. As of three months ago, as of today's date, that's 3.1 million views for that. We go forward a little bit to Tommy Davidson, one of my favorite comedians. 1.6 million views two months ago. The Proud Family. <clears throat> All right, I love that man. Uh, let's see. He had on... Corday. Corday only had 99,000 views thus far, and that's as of two months ago. Uh, DJ Khaled, only 537,000 views as of one month ago. By within 21 hours, Cat Williams had 4.7 million views. 4.7 million views, his video. As of today's date, as of today's date, let's see. 26 million views. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 26 million views. And that is from three days, as of three days, 26 million views. That's so funny. <laughs> you can't argue with that. You no. can't argue with whatever he said, him tell, like you said, tall tales, the fact that he's 54 years old and he can run 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that he's so strong because he does a hundred push-ups and a hundred sit-ups a day like he's a fucking one punch man. Like, what did he <laughs> say? Like I I I still play 20-year-olds in basketball. He's like 96 to 2. Right. <laughs> he's so funny. And so just the fact that he said that he was in an Illuminati meeting where they told him that either him or Ludacris had to cut off their hair. Just things like that. Just outrageous things. I ain't and, sucking no penis. <laughs> <laughs> Just and so in the midst of these outrageous claims, he's saying things that are very true, like how Cedric the Entertainer still jokes. We know he does. He's not a comedy writer. He doesn't write comedy. He doesn't know how to do that. And it's obvious. Um, the fact that, you know, he said that just what he said about Steve Harvey. But the thing about the thing that I mainly took issue with with all of these stories about other comedians, he seemed to center himself in all of their stories. Yeah. Which gives me shades of narcissism, shades of borderline personality disorder. Like, it was just... Oh, yeah, he's... Well, I mean, like, any comedian, he's definitely a narcissist, and he does seem, in some way, mentally ill. Correct. Like, yeah, it seems like something's going on there, but... He's obviously he's obviously a genius. He's very talented. He's but he's, he's been violent toward other comedians, abusive, uh, namely a female comedian by the name of Ashima Franklin. And um, 
So he has those moments, but then there are other moments when you have people saying that he's one of the most generous people that you ever met. I've heard that, yeah. I, I've, I've and, heard I, that. and it's not that I don't believe that either. Like, it seems that that's the case. And he has put a lot of comedians on when he says that he has hired a lot of female comedians, but there's the caveat of there's the risk of having to deal with him in general. You don't know what catch you go get. <laughs> yeah, he's, you don't he's, know which day who you gonna be dealing with. But you know, he's an artist. He's a genius <laughs> artist, and and that comes with its uh, idiosyncrasies. But everybody wants to give that a pass, and I'm not that type of person. Like I can't give you a pass just because you're great at what you do. I can't. You still got to be held accountable for the bullshit that you do. Well, in my opinion. I can't if you're listening, I'll open mm-hmm. for you. I'll I I have no problem. If you want to smack me around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When he tells you to bend down so I can slap you in the face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so but but yeah, it's and you know, and the fact that other people have responded to it, Ludacris dropped the whole like clapback verse. Matt, sir, he said some of the craziest shit about you. Why would you respond to this? Why would you so give it corny. It's so corny, dude. Like these people are so desperate Michael to be Blackson liked by Cat Williams. And Michael Blackson, in his defense of himself or whatever, or dismissal of what Cat says, he completely misunderstood whatever Cat said. He said, Cat never told me to build a school. No, that's not what he said. He said you needed to be schooled by African. Uh, actual authentic <laughs> African comedians. He never told you to build a school. Y'all not even able to hear what he's saying because y'all so caught up in y'all emotions. But I have to say it in the and in true K. Williams fashion, most people not go like to hit us. Black male comedians have always been like this, in my opinion. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. It's always like a dick swinging competition. They can't get in a green room in a a smoke circle, you know what I'm saying? Can't be by the bar, like, can I group together without always one-upping each other? Without always trying to call people out. So, nigga, you always, what you talking about? I get booked more than you, the fuck you talking about? Nigga, you can't even blase it. <laughs> Why are we doing this? What's the point? Oh, yeah. And I, just, I sit back and watch, <laughs> and it's just a constant back and forth. Constant, they always roasting each other, or they always comparing and contrasting. They always trying to pull somebody card and trying to sun somebody or slap somebody down off their little pedestal or whatever the fuck. And why we got to do this? It's happened on Facebook so many times, just the back and forth, but it's just so annoying, especially when they claim that females aren't or women aren't comedians because they can't handle it. Yet you never really see us doing this to each other. It's y'all. It's mm-hmm. y'all. Even white dudes. When I'm around y'all, it's just like, like a constant competition. Y'all constantly back and forth. We're trying to one up each other and all this other shit. Like y'all can't turn it off. It just be people around each other. Yeah, that that was the demise of my last podcast. Was oh, really. <laughs> Yeah, it was because I, I had I had like stopped wanting to be that way for a while. Like I don't want to, I don't see the need to constantly be trying to riff and one up and be always on in that way. Like if the mics, if the microphones are off, if we're not like performing in any way, I don't know why we have to still act like we're doing stand up or podcasting. Um, but you know, like the DFW comedians page. Do you remember? Those yeah, things. yeah, I remember that. And how it was always something, somebody was always like beefing publicly. 
and calling yeah. each other out. And it was always men. I never saw women do it. It was always men. Yeah. And Scare Scarecrow the comedian, 16 time haircutting champion. Well, he's a mentally ill person. <laughs> yeah. But that was yeah, the, the last podcast I had was one of my co-hosts, uh he he never turned it off. And so like on and off mic, he was constantly like cutting me down, like taking jabs at me and roasting me and saying all these like nasty things to me to where I, it didn't didn't feel like it was ball busting or camaraderie. It felt like it, it was felt coming, a little deeper than that. Yeah. It felt genuine. Yeah, it felt like it was coming from yeah. a place like this this guy does not like me. He really fucking hates me. Hold he, on one second. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll put hey patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. That's where you'll ha- uh, gain access to all of the premium episodes and bonus content for the network five dollar, ten dollar, fifteen dollar, twenty five dollar tiers. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you were saying while I was going. I just require more prosecco to talk about male comedians. I was plugging the Patreon. Yeah, um, plug it. Plug the fuck out of it. I already did. That's, like I, a butthole. Like your mom's sweet, sweet butt. Yeah. Uh but uh uh yeah, anyway, he he kept doing that to me like constantly to the point where there was like actual tension between us and he never would have a, like a genuine conversation with me about any of this shit. Like we yeah. couldn't resolve anything. And so it it got to the point where I was like getting so frustrated with this that I was just like screaming at him. Just, just like completely teeing off on this guy, uh, to where he just had kind of like checked out of the show even even before I had my like mental health episode. Yeah. Um, and like you know, the, and the audience could tell at that time they're like, yeah, these guys clearly are not getting along. But you know, I think uh, one of the main misconceptions about comedy, and this comes from uh, comedic performers, stand-up comedians, especially. There's this misconception that it all has to be about negativity. It has to be something negative. Like comedy almost has to come from a bad place for it to be funny. And that's not true. No. That's not true. Um, Some of my favorite podcasts are with people who get along with each other. And you can tell they actually like each other. And even if they're joking, it's never mean-spirited. You know what I'm saying? It's never anything that intends to, like, cut somebody yeah i that that was the thing i appreciated about if they could just pull it back a little bit uh improv and Mm -hmm. that kind of community is it's very positive and uh you know welcoming and there's there's not like they're too welcoming that's why i don't like them that's the thing it's (laughs) some people just ain't funny you gotta tell them that it's not yeah it's very cultish uh yeah. for sure if but that that i do if they could just pull the you know if they could pull it back somewhat uh it would be nice yeah if they could not <laughs> run around like manic kindergartners that would be great yeah i mean it, it is strange to spend thousands of dollars to for people to tell you how to like play pretend oh <laughs> 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 uh. It makes them look like idiots. I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh, it's so it's so degrading. I did it. I did it a little bit, and I was like, "What am I doing? This is so fucking stupid." Like just doing it is one thing, but to pay somebody to teach you how to do it—that's the part where I'm like, "Oh, it's so dumb. It's so stupid." And they take it pay for stand-up classes. Why are you paying somebody for this? What are we doing? They take it so seriously. 
so serious. I had a conversation with Lauren one time because oh, when Lauren. I did my why be name dropping people so hard? Just oh, just I had a conversation with a, a mutual acquaintance. Uh, that we know. <laughs> no, I just remember I had done improv, and she was all like, she's into it and takes it very seriously and is like studies yeah, she does. it. And I I had done my level one show and the I went out first and the first thing I said was I go up to the lady and you know one of us has to come up with something to start this scene and I was like oh my god we're so close to finding the cure for diarrhea and it got this big laugh from the audience because it was just so it was silly right we're you know we're working on a cure for diarrhea right um. And I told Lauren about that, and she like rolled her eyes and was like, "Oh, of course you would do that, you know." Right, um, like like bathroom fume is so beneath everyone, right? Like yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah, way too good for that. Yeah, way yeah. too good for a fart joke. But yeah, it's not- just she takes it so seriously that it's like, it's like yeah, yeah. I'm but sure. That's my problem with improv, they act like they too good for a punchline. Like, girl, be funny. The fuck, like, do something funny. Oh yeah, it's so self indulgent because they're like. Stop trying to stop trying to find the joke. Just just be free. <laughs> okay, well, anyone who and that's paid why I don't does... do improv. I can't help but try to constantly fix the scene. Yeah, and and I know that's like you know cardinal rule. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to inject any funny. And I understand that they want it to be very uh very organic, very yes and very you know, fluid type of we're working together type of thing. But that's why I do stand-up comedy, because I'd rather just do it myself. Yep. Stand-up, podcasting, dick reviews, titty okay. titty reviews. <laughs> well, just let, let me do it myself. Like, I don't need you. I don't need you to be funny. And there's that. That's true. Um, But this this has been, because we, we were talking about Cat Williams, this, this has been a big week in, in Black News. I don't know if it's been a big week. I'm, 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 I'm upset with myself for being so invested in it. Well, because before that, before the Shannon Sharp interview, Shannon Sharp, by the way, bad at interviewing people. Oh God, he was all oh, the God. He was terrible. So, so um, <laughs> do you remember the first joke you told? Oh Stop. my God, I, it was so painful to watch because I was like, why is he conducting this interview like he's calling a football game? You know what his questions reminded me of? And I don't know if you've experienced this, but like after a show, when you do really good and somebody from the audience comes up to you and start asking, so how did you get into comedy? Like that. Yeah, they were very like basic. It it, it, It was those questions. It was like that. And then also it seemed like he had just read Cat Williams Wikipedia and was like, so you were born in Dayton and then you moved (laughs) to Florida. And I'm like, tone it down. First off, tone it down. This is not the football field. You don't like, you don't have to talk like this. You're three feet away from this guy. Right. You're not yelling over a stadium. <laughs> you know, you yeah. Know. And at one point, I've, I swear he says this at one point. I've heard people fuck up the phrase, and it's fine for me. It's fun. It's always funny when someone means to say intense in purposes and they say intensive purposes that's fine i hate that i hate that so much i hate but there's so much. there's a point where he tries to say intense and purposes and i swear he says sense and purposes he did he did okay he did a lot of stuff like that <laughs> he did he did a lot of stuff like that and i can't recall it because i was so swept up in what cat williams was saying 
and I was too busy laughing my ass off. And <laughs> but it was just so many things like that that I feel like this man is a horrible interviewer. But it may not just be that. I think part of it is people treat comedy like a magic trick. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's they, this mystical thing to so many people. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, how do you make jokes? <laughs> like, just. How do you make people laugh at the same time? That's it's not crazy. that interesting. I'd I'd rather learn how to, you know how does a carpenter build a house, you know? Because that's what I watch. I watch people make pasta. I watch people build houses and fix houses. I don't have a house, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I watch. Yeah, I watch um, people do do like handy stuff or crafts. I watch people cut grass. Like I watch lawn care shit. Um, yeah, comedy is comedy is something you try if you have no skills. You're just like, oh, well, I swear see that I... people send me because like my friends will send me uh, reels of stand up all the time. I never watch them. I literally never watch them. Yeah, my Maybe cousin. Once or twice, this, but... this is this is white news right here because my like cousin. Well, my cousin sent me. Um, you, you know, you know how like comedy will eventually get if someone gets big enough, they'll get distilled down to like, right. Like people who are maybe not as uh, plugged in as we are mm-hmm. to that world. Mm-hmm. And so my cousin recently sent me a clip and he was like, have you heard of this guy? I, I've been obsessed with him lately. And it's, uh, is it Matt Rife? No, it's Stavros Halkius. Do you know him? Is he, the, is that the Greek dude? The, the... big fat Greek ugly yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 Cause for for a lot of a lot of people of my ilk, uh, we've we've been no know, knowing about Stav because he was yeah. on Comtown for so long, yeah. And so it was it was it was a kind of a big deal when he left that show to go pursue this mainstream career. And so it's it's been like weird to get these text messages from all these different people who are like, "Who is this? This guy? Have you heard of this guy? He's awesome!" And I'm like, "Man, if you only knew the hundreds of hours of this guy." just like saying the n-word on a podcast like just the crazy shit they used to do on that show i was like yeah i, I definitely know who this is yeah and i don't i can't engage that type of content um so but yeah i do understand like to what as we call them civilians <laughs> pedestrians <laughs> pedestrians whatever the fuck that's what that's what um, burke kreischer called them yeah good word as well but it's just it's almost annoying to deal with like i felt like the questions that shannon sharp asked were very pedestrian and very much like somebody who looks at comedy like a magic trick and not just yeah yeah i mean they were questions coming from it's an interview style that only a tight end who pivoted to the entertainment industry could could have. And I, I just feel like as when it comes to sports, I used to love watching Shannon Sharp. He's very intelligent and astute when it comes to like sports analysis. And he was one of my favorite tight ends of all time. Um, so I really do respect him on that level. But when it comes to just interviewing people, I'm just kind of like Shannon. Babe. It was very still. There was no like real flow to if cat if cat Williams hadn't come in there already uncorked, locked and loaded. It was it would have been a, it was a very stilted interview. Anytime Shannon Sharp tried to do anything, and just cat Williams certainly carried it. 
Yeah, he, um, he came there with one in the chamber for sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he had a few and in the chamber. Cool. He was he was ready to tee off. He, he <laughs> was so cool. funny. <laughs> but that's what I love about Cat Williams. And like I said, Cat Williams is like most comedians. They leave me with a feeling of conflict because they are problematic in ways, but. Somebody like Cat Wood, because crazy people, one thing I know about the girls who got like bipolar disorder, some manner of like like disorder like that. You're talking to one. The y'all are gonna say whatever. You say whatever. Like you just be honest as fuck. And it just sends me. Like there's no filter. Even like when y'all are medicated and doing good, it's still that lack of a filter where it's like you can't help but trust what y'all say. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's just cuts through like there's no bullshit on it's like well this is just what it is it's just it's just as simple as a sentence there's nothing put on it there's nothing extra to it yeah this is what it is so he's very believable in that regard thanks to mental illness because he does say things that are very true but he also as a result of mental illness my favorite my favorite thing in the interview is he's like you know the reason I'm so successful is I never I never touched a drug. As he's drinking, getting drunk on cognac, and well, that's what he said. He said other than marijuana, uh, cigarettes, and alcohol, like nothing else. But I can believe that, honestly. Yeah, I can believe that. But it, believe that. you know, I mean, he, he he's talked at length before about smoking weed, and but that's what he said. Other than weed and alcohol and cigarettes, I don't do drugs. But I mean, he's right. Drugs can they ruin my life. You know, don't. But I identified with him on that because that's literally why I've never done drugs. Like, I've never done coke. I've never popped pills. I've never done anything like that. I barely smoked weed. I didn't smoke weed till Katrina hit. And I was like, well, fuck it. I was, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I I I I don't smoke a lot of weed or nothing. I don't even drink as much as I used to. I just, I refuse to take Tylenol. I'm so, like, anti-drugs because of what I've seen. And what I've seen happen to people who have gone off the deep end with it. And I said, me, me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but even when I was younger, like Cam Williams, he saw it as a kid, like as a youth. And it's like you look at it, it's like, I don't want that to be me. I can't let that be me. So I'm not fucking with any type of drug. So that's why I kind of believe that because it rang true to me. Yeah, I, I believe that. I I just thought it was ironic that he's saying that as he's drinking cognac and getting yeah. noticeably drunk. As I go through my second bottle of Prosecco. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't do the hard shit. I'm not about to transition to to cocaine. Like you don't take like 700 milligrams of Benadryl and you know shake your you know fidget in bed and look, see the Hat Man. Never done that. <laughs> okay. Now the only time that I've almost that I felt like I hit a point that was too low for me. The same uh, female comedian acquaintance that we both know when I first moved to Dallas. And I'm moving to Dallas fresh from New Orleans. And in New Orleans, they don't tell us to go home. We don't have liquor stores because you could just buy liquor from Walmart whenever. Like I've been to New Orleans, yeah. Like there's not going to be, or you could go to the gas station and get liquor at any time, day or night, any day of the week. So when I moved to Dallas and I hear this thing called Last Call, and I'm like, huh, what does that mean? And I'm hanging out with said acquaintance. And so she said, oh, no, I could, we could get something. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm thinking we're about to go to Quick Trip to get some beers or something. Like, she knows the guy. And mm-hmm. we get there. This bitch, we buy, what was it, Listerine or Scope? It was like, my <laughs> 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 
Oh my god. <laughs> she she had you drinking Listerine? I think it was cold. It's so this is the thing. It was like a little tiny bottle. Like it was like a shot, a scope. And I actually drank it. I did the, the shot of scope and I said, yeah, never again. I'm just going to be better prepared in the future. I'm just going to go to the liquor oh, store early. It's so it's so crazy that she's like trying to do the, the, the like domestic life now. I, I mean, look, more power to a child. I hope it work out for her. I just want, all, I just want everybody to be happy. I want my, all my folks to be happy. I, I hope it works out for her. But man, she, I, because I knew her when it, when she was wild. As did I. Yeah, and it was like, you know, she was, you know, I can't judge because I've been there where she was putting herself in some dangerous situations. But with... we all have. I feel like that time in comedy and I'll, like from that time from 2012 to 2018 or 2013 to 2018 when I was doing comedy in Dallas, it was like a weird time for me. Like I was into some shit that I maybe should not have been doing. Yeah, well, I, remember, I, I mean, even in New York, like there were times that... Yeah. Yeah, she was like buck wild. And that that would happen for me later, that kind of uh you know, walking the tightrope that way. But yeah, they they um And you know, yeah. back then she was one of my besties. Like she was one of the main people I was hanging with. And I can't knock her for nothing because we did have a lot of fun. And I didn't necessarily participate in all the things that she did, but I was definitely on the sideline laughing my ass off and very drunk while I did it. So <laughs> <laughs> there was times when we were seriously fucked up. Like when I tell you, like dangerously fucked up. There, oh, yeah. there were many of those nights. I've I've so, been there with her. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I so I can't knock her, and I would never would. But she's, I would say that she's a little bit more dedicated to that life than I ever could be. Well, apparently she's. I mean, yeah, she's now becoming like a domestic uh, something. I don't know. I don't know what the. Well, She's I guess, not, um, we're not really friends anymore, but uh, I haven't seen her in a long time. I saw her one time I did a show in Waco and she was on the show with me and I saw her very briefly and it was nice to see her because I hadn't seen her or talked to her in so long uh, but I didn't really get to hang out with her. But I, I can only speak for myself when I say that doing stand-up comedy as long as I have and going through those phases of being reckless in stand-up comedy, just like being uh, being so dedicated to what we call the hang, you know? Oh, yeah. Like being up with y'all till like 5 in the morning knowing I had to go to work the next day, like yeah. get completely fucked up and, you know, just the car accident that I got into uh, at Hyenas and just, you know, all these things, getting a DUI and going through all that, it personally it got to a point where i said i can't do this shit no more i'm yeah. not gonna let myself go all the way down this path because it only gets darker i'm yeah. not gonna go all the way down here i have to turn around at some point you either yeah you either have a moment like that or you just hit rock bottom right which is what happened to me in 2019 i was just like you know what i can't do this shit anymore I can't do yeah, any of it. It definitely happened to me too. Like it, you know, Cat Williams is right, man. Straight and narrow. Read read the Bible. Try to be <laughs> read your Bible. Read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I can't say that I've gotten as bad as other comedians I've seen. It was just too bad. It was too dark for me. Yeah. 
it was yeah, just too it. dark for me and it's you know and i think like a lot of people have a have a realization at some point in their life that life is much more enjoyable with a clear head and yeah. being like kind of, at least kind of responsible well because this is the most i'll bring in my house i don't buy hard liquor at all i don't bring it in my house at all anymore and this has been for the past few years since 2019 when i moved to houston i've been on some different shit and you know. and it's and it's just out of necessity, just because I wanted to live a better life and be more stable than I had been. And and I don't think I was an alcoholic. I don't think I was all the way there. But I noticed how I used it as a crutch at times. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I was saying earlier is like, you know, mindset, you know, that's big. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's as simple with a lot of people. The thing that's probably holding a lot of people back in life is just alcohol. Because Cat Williams did say that at the top. He said, no, I'm not. You can either be a connoisseur or an alcoholic like most comedians. And I yeah. choose to be a connoisseur. And that's why I'm at. I choose because like he knew about the kind. Gets a, that's me. Like it's like, oh, well, this is a good scotch. It's really peaty on the back. It's got, you can taste you know, the, it's it's a little bit more salty. It's made with salt water. Like that's that's who I am. Like it's like I'm not gonna be no junkie out here. I I can be a kind of super though. Yeah, yeah. I think I think boozing because I mean you know you think about like uh you spend eight hours a day working and then mm-hmm. you have all this time after work to yourself that you could spend doing anything productive. Mm-hmm. But if you just start pouring booze on top of it instead of like doing the things you actually want to do you're just constantly going to be like kind of rudderless in life if you're trying to like but, smooth over those feelings of like stress and anxiety that come with just daily life and instead of like channel that energy into what you want to actually build for yourself instead of doing that you just drink then that will hold you back absolutely and um as comedians we are very much enabled to do that Cause there was a time where we only got paid in alcohol. Like when you first start out, you get paid in drink tickets. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, I don't think. Yeah, by the way, I don't think like anyone at the early levels is like enabled to do that. I think it's gonna like fuck them up more than anything. It's just mm-hmm. like it's it's enticing because there you know you're not getting paid anything, and so your only consolation is usually free alcohol. Right. Or even if they, if you're not getting paid in liquor, if people like you, if you do a good job, what do they do? Let me buy you a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. Stand up so- is so fucking antiquated in that way. Like the fact, the fact yeah. that like so many people are pursuing this like old school live art form like that and still no one's getting fucking paid at those levels. And you're just con- every fucking turn getting ripped off and fucked over. Um, it is difficult. That is one side of it, but there are other people who are doing quite well. So it's I don't think it's as antiquated as you might say. It's it is an older art form, but so is music. Music has been around. How yeah. long the motherfucker still doing it? So yeah, no, I, mean, I just I just mean like um I don't know, just trying to figure it out. Like all the people who are still trying to abide by this old school, like do all these open mics and try and get in with the clubs blah 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 and but then you know they're not they're not getting paid and they're afraid to even ask for money or even like have any worth and uh but we've seen that work out for people though that's the thing we still see it working out for certain people not many 
There's a hey, but, there's many paths up the mountain, I say. There are. And there are. I feel like I feel like trying to get in at clubs for most people uh can be a bit of a uh a Sisyphusian task. Absolutely. Well, definitely for me. I've never really tried though. I've never Where, had that that whereas, ambition to go through the clubs. Yeah, but whereas like with the way the internet is doing stuff like this, you reach a far wider audience. You can get mm-hmm. paid. You can get fucking paid, right? And, and you'll have people scattered here and there and everywhere and back again that that like you. People already like you, Dee Dee. You've been doing this show with me for a little while, and they they I love know. you. I didn't know that people like you sent me, and I was like, oh, that's that's nice of them. They love you, yeah. but I just don't. I, I guess I don't, never expect to be liked. That's mindset, I, you know. I I never expect to be like, and you're right. Maybe I should expect people to like me. I never expect anybody to react to me in any particular way at all. I guess I could say my expectations are always at zero. Mm-hmm. Which means any nice thing is always just like, oh, that's well, that's great. That's true. You're always pleasantly surprised if you have right. zero expectations. Right. Not bad or good. Not saying that I know people are gonna hate this. It's just eh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. How do they react is how they react. Um, <laughs> Take it as it comes. Yeah, you know, it's just it's such a strange world, strange, strange times. What uh, are they strange? I don't know. That was a that was the name of a Joe Rogan special, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I've never watched. I've never. I don't think I've seen thirty seconds of Joe it's Rogan. Unbelievable how at best milk toast it is. I've never watched it. For a he guy who like Jim Rogan has said this on his stand up, girl, I wouldn't know. For a guy <laughs> who really loves to discuss the craft and art of stand up comedy, it's it's pretty rough what he's doing on stage. It's real fucking embarrassing. Yeah, he has not enticed me in any way to engage any of his content that I've never seen any of his podcasts, never listened to it, have no intention of doing it. Never seen him do a money spread. <laughs> I remember I didn't watch, you know, UFC. Well, I guess the only time I ever really saw him was like UFC stuff. Yeah, he's good at that. He's good at yeah, that. Was the only he, time. And that's he, what I knew him from. I had no idea he was a comedian. I knew him from UFC. Yeah, he's very good at broadcasting. But yeah. stand-up is like, man, this is uh, this is some rough stuff, man. <laughs> um, and Cat, so Cat Williams like... bitch made him. Cat Williams bitch made Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan was on Twitter begging Cat Williams to come on his fucking podcast. He did? Yeah, Cat Williams called out Rogan on that interview and was like... He, he said so many things. What did he say He about said Rogan? He mentioned Joe Rogan and said, Joe Rogan ain't gonna have me. He's got six other people that ain't never been oh, funny. Oh, yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I and Rogan actually that. tweeted and was like, oh, I, I actually, I would love to have Cat Williams on. I talk about him all the time. We love Cat Williams here at the... He's got, dude, Cat Williams got everybody sweating right now. It's so funny to watch I just the fact that so many people are responding to it, I would not have shit to say. I would be wiping my brow with a hundred dollar bill if I was. But people like Michael Blackson, he's not on that level. He's I can't believe there's a guy named Michael Blackson. He is, and he's a stereotypical. He he's basically making fun of Africans, or at least he used to. Oh Um, yeah, man, I miss all those guys, all those Dallas guys from that were from Africa. <laughs> you miss him, but I do not. Um, <laughs> like, remember James Theo? 
<laughs> this is my problem with all of those people. They all tried to have sex with me. Okay. And, <laughs> that was not my experience with them. <laughs> and they were all very aggressive about it. Um, Because he pulled on me a little too hard one time. And I was like, look, I'd fight you, but you was one of the lost Ugandan boys. I, I ain't gonna fuck with you. I'm, I'm yeah. just make my, I'm just make my <laughs> he, was, he was a child soldier. It's like, I ain't gonna fuck with you. Because anybody else, I would have went upside your head. But you, I'm going to just make my exit. I'm going to just move out the way. <laughs> and who was that? Who was that other guy? Jo- Jojo Shokali. <laughs> Remember that guy? <laughs> Dude, there was, a, there was like a, a cast of characters there. There's all these African like immigrants. The, just the scamming of it. Like, just the scam in him was just... Yeah, he he rocked. Um, Thank God I drank so much back then. I would hate to have to remember all the encounters I had with these people. Alfred, Alfred Kainga. No, you know, Alec, he was cool. I never was around him much, but he was always cool. Yeah, he was. He, I, I, yeah, he was always a nice guy. He was. He funny. always just minded, told jokes and minded his business. I think which he, I appreciate. He ran the the Lord of the Ribs comedy showcase. Okay, because I know he was always like at improv and stuff. That's what I knew him from. Oh. Um, Somebody had some. There was some like black. It was like an African show mm-hmm. that was called Lord of the Ribs, and I believe mm-hmm. it's referencing like you know we're we're gonna make you laugh. We're gonna tickle your ribs. We're making you laugh. But a poster of just like black people on it that says Lord of the Ribs is is very funny to me. I don't remember that at all. When did that happen? I don't know. There was Lord of the Ribs, and then there was another one called the Kush Comedy Cafe, and it was I K- remember that one. KKK, and they were like, we're the new And I was KKK. like, why are we doing that? I was like, why are we doing that? <laughs> that was Shokali. That, wasn't that JoJo Shokali? It was, yeah, I think it was like JoJo, and maybe like Comedian KG, I think was part of it. It was some somebody. I thought that was interesting. I was like, we didn't have to do this. No, it was... <laughs> we didn't have so to do funny. that. Like two, three out of uh, two out of those three words started with a C anyway. Why would you change it? The Kush Comedy Cafe, where like the new you... the new KKK. <laughs> that was so that was that was brilliant. I try to. I I have to do a lot of uh, effort mentally to step away from that ledge of looking down on people. I have to do that a lot because. <laughs> So much of me wants to just be like, really, nigga? <laughs> but I just... <laughs> Those are my favorite show flyers. I think every comedy show flyer should look like that. Old-timey microphone looking like... like a, Remember those like old... Um, I mean, like I've that, done it myself. I, that that snoop- was once upon a time. I ran a show for like a month and I hated it. And I had the old-timey microphone and... Uh, but it wasn't. It, but it wasn't called Kush Comedy Cafe or nothing. I do, like but that. I think the the aesthetic of those flyers. No, I'm not joking. With like those those hip hop albums from back then, like uh, like that Snoop Dogg record. The the game is to be told, not to be not sold. sold. Or, yeah. yeah, whatever. Remember the cover of that? There were like tons of albums that had covers that looked like that, like iced out, fucking, um, really gaudy covers. Oh. Oh, you mean like every single No Limit cover and every single Cash Money cover? Yes, yeah. yes. And then that that's kind of the ethos of like black comedy show flyers as well. I don't think I don't think it is. It's just that sometimes my problem usually and I I 
I ask for my people's forgiveness, but I got to tell the truth. Y'all be putting too many motherfuckers on the show. That's why the flies be so busy. You got 15 <laughs> motherfuckers on the show. There are too many people. Yes, there is that. And, and you got to put a picture and everybody's name on it. Wait, I don't want, why would I come to this? This is an yeah. open mic. Why am but I the, coming to this? But, those, but the flyers do look like what it's actually, rather than advertising a comedy show, it looks like they're advertising like a, a strip club or it's just weird. It's, it's this very weird. like gauche, like over the top style of like the old timey microphone, and then it's like brought. There's like nine different businesses listed, right? With, like, and you barely can find the the date and the time and the and the yeah. venue. So where's the address? Like what? Yeah, how do people know where to come? So I just the the visual assault of those flyers always reminded me of that era of. Like rap albums, which I mean, but white people comedy flyers just be ugly as hell. They just they're ironic, yes. They're made ironically. <laughs> right. It's like I don't why is there just a giant mouth with a tongue hanging out? What are we doing? <laughs> what, yeah. What is this? <laughs> am I coming to a comedy show or am I gonna get there and somebody go eat my pussy? Please tell me what's going on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> nobody knows nobody knows graphic design and comedy. <laughs> nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Which is why I appreciate people who do it well and, um, you know, they can put together a decent flyer. Shout out to Kate fans. Um, but it, it's just uh, there's so many uh, things in comedy that as a comedian, I'm not able to take seriously, which is why it's hard for me to do it now. Um, I'm still trying Very, to figure out if I want to do stand-up comedy for real anymore. I do podcasting. Do nine different podcasts. Um, <laughs> but I hate that too. Like all of it. Like I don't take podcast seriously as as a comedian because everybody in their mom got a podcast and it's just it's just us. It's just you know dudes talking to each other about shit. Why are we here? It's broadcasting, Didi. It's it's an old, uh, respectable form of uh, disseminating information and communications. It's if you if you. It takes a very rare personality and skill set to be able to do broadcasting. Does it? And it's or been is it just it, anybody it, with the mouth. Is that no, it's mean? it's certainly been diluted with the proliferation of podcasting for sure. But if it nowadays it's it, you know the barrier of entry is lower, it's been democratized. If one is so inclined, they can just start recording themselves you know, doing stuff like this. And if, if you have the, uh, that's that light in you, that's that shine and light inside of you, it will shine, it will shine through and you'll get many, many YouTube subscribers and, and sponsors and Patreons. And I would consider myself immune from this, this trope, but it just seems like it's a lot of people who shouldn't say anything on a hot mic that have podcasts. It's just a whole bunch of people that shouldn't be allowed to speak out loud. Sure. You have to be confident. It's a con. It's a con. It's a grift. You have to, it's but confidence. It, and it's not just confidence. It's just the things that they say are so wrong. But think about so the selfish. leg up. Think about the leg up you have, given the fact that you're educated and you, you still are curious and read and think deep deep ass thoughts and you're discerning is that really a leg up i feel like that's not i feel like people want fluff yeah i don't know people <laughs> don't want to hear what the fuck i have to say people don't want to be challenged on all these unexamined thoughts that they have <laughs> nobody wants to be challenged on that 
And well, and, how do you know? Because there's not a lot of people offering much of anything now. Everything is just very like content. Everybody's chasing the same trends and trying to figure out the honestly, algorithm. Um, as far as black folks are concerned, a lot of the podcasts that at least come across um my feed and my reels on Instagram, all these clips are about men and women arguing about relationship shit. Oh yeah, that's I boring. I don't care. I don't care. It's so inane. Like, why are we having this discussion constantly? And y'all are always wrong. And I know, like, it's subjective. It's supposed to be. But if everybody would just realize, if you like what you like, when it comes to relationships, you have to determine that for yourself, what you need and what you want from a partner. And that's it. There's no one size fit all standard for that. There's nobody who can say, this is right and this is wrong. If you know yourself, and you know what you want, pursue that. And then shut the fuck up about it. Stop trying to make it, like justify it to other people or try to make it or try to be right about what you want from a partner. Just everybody don't want the same thing. Leave it at that. Yeah. It's not a discussion to have. But yeah, constantly it's, it's being it's being deliberately deliberated ad nauseum day in and day out on every single podcast that I come across and I just wish motherfuckers would shut up. That's why <clears throat> that's why we're revolutionizing uh podcasting. We're um Is it? Should I show my tits? Is that revolutionizing <laughs> podcasting? Maybe. Yeah, that might work. We could go the Howard Stern route. You could just stuff I could just stuff my mouth with hot dogs. Like what are we doing? Um I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you know. It's it's taking shape as it goes along. Because <laughs> um, that was the golden age of radio, the days of Howard Stern. And yeah. And yeah, to be shocking. Yeah, I try. Was... I've been. I've been doing like philosophical ass shit lately, having deep ass conversations. So and, I noticed. And yeah. how do the people respond? Does anybody give a fuck? They seem to like it. Yeah. I mean, that's even with the even with the really silly stuff I do, like titty videos and. Uh, I love those. Yeah, and the <laughs> dick reviews, like the thing that the, what people like about them is. Like the, my vocabulary and yes, the the philosophical like and the depth of critique I enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy it a great deal. Uh, but may, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm too reluctant to fill a space that I see that is empty. Yeah, that's you know maybe maybe that's what it is for me. If you're a thinker, if you analyze things, and you know you you tend to not be as a uh, brazen as you should be i that's what i struggle with at this fucking sales job is like i can't i have great communication skills i can talk to people people enjoy talking to me right but i i overthink things and i'm talking to someone on the phone and i'm like fuck this person doesn't want to buy this shit. like i'm just right i'm just gonna leave them alone i'm just gonna hang up right now just wish them well on a journey and just end this call yeah, and now I'm gonna get you know now I'm gonna get fired from my job that doesn't even pay me minimum wage for a base salary. Right, and it's and I think you deserve better. I think you should just move on and just say fuck it. Yeah, you know who cares? I got the podcast. You know, I I, I went by. I, I, I bet none of these fucking people I work with have gotten a tweet that's gotten a million fucking views. I'm sure they haven't, but nonetheless, you should look for another job. <laughs> is, what I encourage, is what I encourage you to do. Uh, sure. um, I'm, just, I'm not near anything right now, so it has to be remote. But if I got this one, I can get another one. There's um, so much remote work out there. Like it's remote work is like a dime a dozen now. It's not even hard no more the way that it used to be. Yeah. Uh do you, uh 
you want there's more black news this week. Really? Uh, like what? Claudine Gay. Oh, Claudine. <laughs> Which I, I don't even know what the story is. I just saw So from what I read. Yes, go. Basically, so she was uh the president of Harvard. And you know, at Harvard, when it came to the Palestine and Israel Israel conflict, there were on campus protests that were kind of anti Semitic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget the exact tone of it, but it's basically it was a question of whether or not they should be silenced, whether or not they should be prohibited from, you know, making those kind of statements publicly at Harvard, and whether or not students should be, I guess, censured for making uh, anti-Semitic, uh, hateful comments, stuff about like. Uh, I guess calling for violence against Jews. Mm-hmm. And when she was asked to make a statement condemning it, she basically went at it from, well, I would have to know the context of what's going on to know whether or not it should be prohibited. And so she, she was trying to be diplomatic. Correct. And she didn't just outright condemn it. Okay. And for that reason, she was told that she needs to step down. Which is not, okay. like, it's not stepping down. You're getting fired. You didn't resign. They fired your ass. I hate when it they say like they resign. They got fired. I read something that she's still going to be making, like, 900 grand a year. After... And good for you, sis. Good for you. Make your money grow. <laughs> yeah, get the get the bag. <laughs> you know, make that money. Don't let it make you. I can't, I can't believe that's what she was getting paid to hold that's a position. Wild. To hold a position where you kind of really don't even do anything. <laughs> like, Except make statements publicly. Academia, academia is such a fucking racket, dude. It's like, a scam. Oh, it's, it's a such a scam. And nobody listens when I say this, except you, Dalton. Thank you so much. I've been saying that higher education is a scam since I got I, to higher school. education. I mean, that's the real story here. Is not the her whatever thing with the Palestine protesters. It's not the plagiarism. It's the fact that the the whole system of higher education has been a an outright fucking scam for a long time. It's a fucking pyramid scheme, man. Yeah. And uh maybe so always at the bottom of it. Yeah, maybe decades ago it was worthwhile. It was like something like our parents' generation, maybe you know, it was a big deal. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, to get a college degree is like securing your position in the middle class in this country. Well, that doesn't, that's not the case anymore. I mean, look how many fucking people. I didn't get a degree. I didn't finish. I I got three years in and I just couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't afford it, number one. And number two, I just was not mentally equipped to be a student or a dedicated student. Um, And while I was there, I'm not going to lie, I learned a lot of great things that I would not have learned otherwise. Like, it's probably why the fact why, the fact that I'm still so literate is because of my higher education experience. But at the same time, the fact that y'all still want money from me and my family because I went and I didn't even graduate. I didn't get nothing out of this shit. Yeah. it's but I'm it's, still on the hook. It's so cost prohibitive. And it doesn't, it doesn't really, um, for a lot of people, it doesn't really help them in their life. You I'm know, very in, underemployed. In a, I'm very underpaid and I have been my entire adult life. I've been underpaid. This is the most money I've ever made in my life, but it took me a long What I'm getting paid now I know other people have been getting paid since they were in their 20s. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it sucks. It's uh, I fucking hate it. I hate uh, being an artist and just being like, oh, maybe when this works out, man, I'll catch up. I guess. Like, I don't know. I'm always blown. I'm always blown the fuck away when I see people and they're like, well, at any age, I guess, just constantly on, um luxurious ass vacations it's just like hi i'm in belgium this week and i'm like where the fuck who the fuck is who has this money well i guess and then my problem in school it wasn't just the pursuit of a certain uh economic status to me i just want to learn shit i really enjoy learning things yeah i i do too for me as a person where that's my goal but i don't feel like i'm getting it it's kind of asinine nowadays with with the access that we have to learning materials to go to this fancy ass fucking campus. Right. Just find what you're interested in and research it. Like find yeah, what you want to know. To 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 like walk across a campus and walk into this really nice building, go into this big lecture hall, and then sit there for for your lecture, but at the same time. You know, all of your material, like every, all your materials are just on your laptop or whatever. Like, Damn. there's a professor there teaching you these things, but but it costs so much. So I gotta pay. But it, it, the cost analysis of it, so I gotta pay my tuition. Then you go make me pay to live there, even though I kind of need to. Yeah, I gotta pay for food, and it's not it's not cheap. Even though this is literally where I live and I work, this is my life. This place is my life right now. My whole world is in this in this school. So I got to pay just to live. Then you want me to pay for all these books that I got to have. Mm-hmm. And they're expensive as shit. Yeah. And there's, and there's all this into it. And then once I leave, not only is there no guarantee, there's no guarantee that I'll get a job. There's no guarantee that I'll even be able to make enough money to pay y'all back for all this. Sure, and I mean fuck them on that on that end. I I'll never pay another fucking student loan payment. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's you know they don't even like impart onto anyone now like the value of liberal arts. Mm-hmm. People get these liberal arts degrees now, and they're just in debt and can't get a job. But like the humanities and studying the liberal arts are kind of what make you well rounded. And give you like a broader perspective and, and a thoughtfulness. So yeah, even it, even it, if it you're, enhances your ability to think critically about the world around you. Yeah. So even if you're getting a STEM major, business or whatever, it's good to have like humanities programs in there, and um, and there, there's no focus on that anymore because it's not profitable for anybody to study the humanities. And there's people that do, and that's the joke, right? Is that you know, you, you get an English degree or a history degree or whatever, and you're, you know, you're a bartender the rest of your life. Right, you got your art history degree, girl. Yeah, and, and, and the que- the question is, is like, well, then what, okay, so you have this, like, this campus, this higher education business that's offering useless degrees? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, why, if these... Why are we these, even doing this? Why yeah, why, why are you doing this? Why, why are these even offered? If, if the consensus is that these things are so fucking worthless that people get upset if they hear that you have an English degree, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's so, there's no value to them. Why are you offering that? That, that seems like an outright scam that you're 
like selling something that costs tens of thousands of dollars, the same cost as any fucking science degree you could get there. And it's it doesn't it's worthless. It's you know that's what you're telling me. I'm just throwing money away. Why let me do it? Yeah, and you know because and they say that like college doesn't shouldn't guarantee you a job or whatever. It's like shouldn't it? Why not? Why Why not? Shouldn't it? If I'm if I'm spending this much money and sacrificing four to six to eight to twelve years of my life, depending on who you know, however long it takes you get your undergrad. Why why wouldn't it guarantee me a job? Isn't that the trade-off that instead of sacrificing my body, I sacrifice my credit to get a to get a good paying job? Right. I didn't go straight out of high school and start plumbing and then go to, you know, Voltec or whatever. I went in the higher education in the hopes that they would mean higher earnings for me in the future. And now you're telling me it doesn't yeah. at all. And then if the higher earnings in terms of like the actual job market also plumbers are rich plumbers marry are a rich. plumber girl if you're out there marry your plumber be a plumber south, south park sure. south park had a very funny take on that recently oh i love that episode I, that was good that was yeah, that the was the the billionaire plumbers yes <laughs> nobody wants to work anymore like i loved it so much yeah and uh how you know everybody would agree a degree we don't know how to do this i can't you know Oh yeah, I was I was just talking about that on on the uh, the solo thing I do that the pe- people that make money like what's rewarded is like intellect and scholarly things and wit mm-hmm. and, and stuff like this like very like cerebral things mm-hmm. uh, that kind of just amount to either communicating or writing or or uh, you know what I mean. Like discussing ideas and exchanging, yeah, not like not necessarily, ideas. not necessarily like manipulating the physical world. Anyway, not you're not mm-hmm. like fixing a toilet or installing copper, or doing anything right. in that regard. You you just like everything exists in like this the metaphysical, mm-hmm. and those are the people that make all the money. You know, mm-hmm. like you get you get rewarded pretty well for not even not doing anything that contributes to the world around you in any like tangible sense. And then the people that actually do all that stuff, the like the actual blue collar laborers, they get fucking nothing. <laughs> well, when you think about, when you think about the film industry itself. Yes. And you think about how the highest paid people are like directors and writers and producers and actors, but you have a whole crew of people like rigging crews, you know what yeah, I'm saying? The, uh, the people that actually services. work on a movie that work the hardest. Uh-oh. It's not Tom Cruise. It's work. It's 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 the key grips and the lighting guys and who are they all day and all night? The set technicians. Those people are doing all the work. Yeah, and those are the ones that get really fucked when these narcissists go on strike. And so it's just one of those things. Like the people who are really doing the labor that make these things what they are are the ones that are getting hosed. Yeah, or even animators. I don't know how much animators get paid. All these people who do the CGI stuff, like all this. Very I, I heard those um, Spider Verse animators get like overworked and you don't get fucking anything. And that's what I'm saying. It's so much animation, and that's why people want to see it because of the visual work. And visual work has to do with rigging. It has to do with you know set design. It has to do with costume design and things like that. Yeah. So, that's why that's why so many people are just like turning to who want they want 
Pete careers in the media now because that seems to be the only path now toward any sort of upward mobility because everything else is a fucking dead end. Which is why people, you know, uh, don't mind making fools of themselves on reality television and yeah, like Gypsy. Know, <laughs> or make make a fool's of themselves on social media just for the just for a chance at that golden ring, you know. Just I for do a I do it every day. Uh, yeah, G- Gypsy Blanchard, Gypsy Rose Blanchard's already fucking doing it. Have you when seen? I, this is the thing. I think I maybe saw it. It came on my radar maybe two two days ago, right? And when they said Gypsy Rose, I'm like, are they talking about that broad that uh? Ben Midler played in a movie? I thought she was dead. And, so, <laughs> and then I realized, I was like, oh shit, no, that's old girl that killed her mama with her boyfriend. Yes. And I'm like, wait, she just out living her life? What's going on? And then it's I saw being celebrated. Celebrated. She has hair, she has teeth. I'm like, wait a minute. What what's going on with I didn't even look at the videos. I just saw like these thumbnails of her like like wait, what <laughs> what is this right now? What are we even so can you enlighten me on what's going on with this? Because I have no idea. Oh yeah, this is white news. Yeah, this is white. we're doing white news now. There was a documentary that came out years ago, a few years ago, called Mommy Dead and Dearest. Oh no, I that, watched it. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Her her That's mom why I was so shocked because I watched that shit. Yeah, her mom was very abusive for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she was There's keeping some Louisiana people too. I say yeah, it's some Louisiana shit right there. But yeah, saying. yeah, and so Gypsy was was dating this guy, and they, you know, killed her mom. Like that, the mm-hmm. guy. I think the the boyfriend actually carried out the physical act of killing the mom. To do it. Yeah, and Gypsy was like a, a conspirator. So that they, they mm-hmm. were both like being tried for murder, and the boyfriend got buried under the jail like he's mm-hmm. doing a life sentence but the judge was lenient on her like he told it, it was such I a fuck because of the abuse that she directly suffered from the woman yes the parent the judge looked mm-hmm. over the case file and basically said like yeah i mean in any other instance killing somebody in this day is a life sentence i would never fucking it, no quarter for anybody that does what you did but this is so fucked up you know, it's it'll be this number of years. It's not a life sentence. Right. So she's been in prison for the last few years, and and then news broke a couple weeks ago, I guess, that she was getting out, and um, she she got released like a few days ago, I guess. And ever since then, it's been this like media whirlwind. It's like look at Gyps, look at her, look at her shining. Look at she's finally happy. Look at her hair. She has teeth. Look yeah, yeah. People, people love her. Like it, it, it's, it's so strange because it's like, damn. I mean, what that mom did was fucked up. Incredible. But you, you killed your mom. You did kill your mom. You conspired to kill your mom. You yeah, really they, got this man. You manipulated a man on the internet to kill your mother. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, that is, you know, I mean, you know, if, if everybody does an eye for an eye, then you know, everybody goes blind eventually, right? Uh. But I think all of us, and I can't speak for anybody else. I mean, I say all of us, but I do understand the judge saying, I can't imagine going through something that fucked up and not wanting to kill him. Yeah, I get that. Or not wanting to find any way out, not feeling desperate for a way to get away from this person. I think a lot of people can empathize with Gypsy, for sure. Yeah. 
but and, this the celebration of her now is yeah, what feels know, very perverted it does it feels very strange to me and i don't and, like it and look to her credit to gypsy's credit what is she gonna do was she gonna go work at the bank <laughs> you know what i mean like she's gonna go in she's gonna go in for an interview but i saw her dress like she was like a home health nurse i'm like what's going on she she's very, I mean, she's house. very homely. She's very plain, you, you know, very like southern corn-fed wife kind of looking. Uh, but you're but, correct. Like, what job is this girl gonna do? Yeah, it's For it's real. it's like in this like in this day and age, it's like she is kind of in the perfect place to be an influencer and a content creator and become like a celebrity. Uh, but it's just like the girl, what's her name, Danielle, whatever, bad baby, the one who was like, catch me outside. Yeah, catch yeah. me outside. And so, like, people like that who have done things that are maybe reprehensible. Oh. It's celebrated now. It's it's like if you, you if know. you can just pierce the veil and just go, like, completely go over, like, over the top, it? full tilt, you, you push through whatever <laughs> consequences you were going to suffer and, and become a beloved media figure with tons and tons of money. Shoot for the moon, land among the stars. Be as terrible <laughs> as you want to be. Just, just be as terrible as you want to be. Go yeah. for the gold, and you'll be celebrated for it. Because I um, saw something today where she's Gypsy's already saying, you know, if if a movie were to be made about my life, I want Millie Bobby Brown to play me. I mean, she does look good bald. We know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the baby can do bald, uh, so I don't disagree. Um. Yeah, but she's been on the interview circuit, and she's, mm-hmm. she started a TikTok. You know, she's a beloved figure, and it's definitely. I can't, even fathom, I can't even fathom it. I refuse to like watch anything, but I was just scrolling. I was like, "Why do I keep seeing her face?" Yeah, and and in a in a weird way, we are all participants now mm-hmm. in an ongoing true crime story, <laughs> to some degree, like in so many different ways. In so many different ways, with so many different people. Yeah, I was watching uh this thing. Uh, I think it was an A and E special, maybe called 1989, the year that made us. Never heard of it. And it was very interesting. Well, of course, it was interesting for me because I was like a baby back then. But it was kind of like looking back at the stuff I barely remember, like the Berlin Wall coming down and all all that kind of shit. And uh, there was this one part about how true crime became a thing. Yes, I studied this in college. With like the Menendez brothers. I took a true crime class. And Jean Bonnet and OJ Simpson. And and this they happened after 19 I think the I think the Menendez brothers was 1989 when that happened. Yeah. Maybe. True crime, the you know, the new journalism, like true crime, I think begins probably you know, with like in cold blood mm-hmm. or uh, the Manson murder, like Helter Skelter, the, the Vincent right. Bugliosi uh, book. And then I think it was really solidified with the Errol Morris documentary, The the Thin Blue Line. Okay. Because that was like, a, that was the first time there was a documentary made about a case that the documentary itself helped solve the case. Right. But when you think about the media friends they're around, did you have to think about like the Menendez brothers? Yes. And then and and... Bonet and OJ. And you think about because I was a kid when that happened, but I, all of those I was very young. 
but I remember all of them. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, true crime ha- had started to become a spectacle in like the mm-hmm. late sixties and then the seventies. And then when it became just part of like the nightly news, you know, like right. yeah, the Menendez, OJ, John Manet Ramsey, all these like high profile uh cases that just captured everyone's imaginations. And everybody had an opinion about it. Everybody had a theory. Yeah. Everybody seemed to be involved. Like yeah, mur- just... real life murders became like appointment television, became like water cooler talk at work. Like we're watching it like it's the Saints game or something. Like it's just we all have an opinion about what should have been done. Yeah. And um and, you know, it's, it's weird because, like, it, at least at that time, there was at least some acknowledgement that this was very morose, that, that, that it was like, oh, yeah, this is like mm-hmm. somebody got fucking killed. Like, this is crazy. Right. It's horrible that this baby got murdered, this little yeah. girl but got na- killed. Yeah, but now people, people's relationship with this now is almost like the same relationship they, that they have with, like, the, the real housewives, mm-hmm. you know? Like they 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 don't make a distinction between like it's like grizzly, murder on consumption kind yeah, of yeah yeah murder itself these like fantastic uh stories of of like what led to this murder and why this had all of that you know has t- has taken on this the same like entertainment value as as anything else and I'm guilty of it like anybody else like the what's the how do you say it the McCullers. In North Carolina or South Carolina, was it? That family? Uh, that, lo- that lawyer family? Yeah. Like, when I tell you, I was invested. Yeah, I watched that was... every documentary. I've listened to so many different true crime podcasts about it. Because it's just fascinating to me. Because it seems like every time you watch something, a new a new fact comes out. A new detail. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that you didn't hear before. And just there's so many layers to what was going on behind the scenes that led up to this night where now we have a double homicide yeah yeah and it it used to be that there were people that would exploit murders and they were kind of like looked at crossways like this kind of right this kind of like nancy grace it's like this kind of fucked up what you're doing so every time a child get kidnapped you capitalizing on yeah capitalizing on it but now that's a whole industry now it's there's a hundred different podcasts of, of like bubbly white women going on about the murders there's two or three different documentaries there's a uh a scripted movie directed by like david fincher or somebody you and know, i watch and i watch so many of them like yeah they're, they're captivating like the documentaries and stuff i just can't help but watch them because it personally i can't speak for nobody else but i believe that it's very interesting from a psychological standpoint yeah, the, of course. The psychology of it is what interests me. It's always how can a person do this? What leads a person to be a serial killer? What leads a person to murder their entire family, you know, and yeah. try to cover it up? What leads a person to join a cult or to start a cult where people die? It's just all of these things that they just they seem fascinating because they're so unnatural. It feels so unnatural. But I, maybe a uh it might be natural it might be like that that exists in all of us like that fact the fascination that we have with it and the connection we have to it i think is because like whatever that darkness is is something that we're all trying to 
stave off. Actively avoid. Yeah, not like pay attention to it ourselves. And so all this like murder entertainment that exists scratches that itch because we we all have that in us. I mean, because it's like, why would it, you know, look at anyone in real life who becomes a detective? Why would As a white man, I see how you could say that, but over here, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the impetus for murder. I don't even understand it. Personally, but I, I mean, I but, see myself even doing that is if my own life was in danger, and even then, I might have concerns about it. Have you have you I ever might. met anyone that works in death that like is like either a like mortician or something mortician like or like a medical examiner or yeah. a detective yeah. or whatever? Yeah. They 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 have this like weird passion for it. Like in the same way that like you or I or forensic scientist. I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. Like that was something that I went to school to be. Yeah. And so, so, but they they have the same uh, passion and and, uh, joie de vivre (laughs) for for death and murder as the murderer does. Just just, uh, the inverse of the other side. Yeah. Just on the other side. Why why would it? Why would anyone become a murder, like a homicide detective? That is fucking like you sucks. You have to have an interest in it. You have to be passionate about it. Because yeah. anybody else, it would destroy you. Yeah, but like first day on the job, I'm I can't do this anymore. But we like see our we story. see ourselves in that. You know that the passion they have for it and like the desire they have, this like relentlessness that at least in scripted TV shows that they have for like solving cases. Well, even in yeah. the uh, documentaries I watched, like the one about the uh, Night Stalker. Yes. And they examined the lives and like the cops who were on the case, like this one dude pretty much almost lost his entire family behind his pursuit of this killer. Yeah. Well, that's, a lot of these cases, that's the best part is how completely uh, inept and stupid the police force is that is trying like they, they they're they're fucking this up and causing more problems trying to even solve this fucking thing like the jeffrey Dahmer shit is they let takes the cake <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> as far as ineptitude goes uh but i i don't remember where i read it but i read that as far as police are concerned they don't want anybody who's a critical thinker like when they test you if you're too intelligent they don't want you to be a cop sure because you'll question too much, you may not enforce the law in the way that the state commands, you know. Uh, I guess detectives are different, but most cops, it's like they want them to be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you were smart, you would not take a take a job like that for $45,000 a year. Where you were in the line of fire, where you were dealing with hardened criminals yeah. uh, day in and day out. Yeah, you have to be a, a real sucker to be a cop. You'd make you'd make just as much money working at Target. I can see if you're a person who wants to affect change in in your community in a positive way, and you feel like maybe with law enforcement you can help victims get justice. Maybe I can see that. I can see people ha- having virtuous and righteous uh, designs when they go into a line of work like that. But there are so many other people who just want to, who just want the power, who just want the ability my, to control uh, others. My brother is a cop, and oh, no. he he seems to have the right mindset. He's very, uh, yeah. 
he loves it and he genuinely wants to help his community um i mean i you know he doesn't talk to me anymore but the last time i talked to him he was talking about all these community efforts he's a part of and some of the calls he's got and he had to shoot a dog unfortunately but it didn't kill the dog so that's good you just had to put him down, just just catch him. Yeah, the there was a there's somebody's dog had gotten loose and was like call it like attacking people. So he had to like mm-hmm. come in and subdue it. Shot the crazy story, shot the dog right through the chest. Didn't kill the dog because the dog had already had a surgery to have that lung removed. Oh shit. Yeah. So it was a clean it was a clean shot through where the lung would have been. Oh my gosh, it just went in and out, huh? Just yep. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he felt he felt bad about having to shoot a dog for sure. He didn't I mean, you, you would think somebody would have a problem with shooting a black person, but they don't. <laughs> um, he shot plenty of brown people when he was in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> so it, it's it's so it's that thing. So for me, I I can't delude myself about the the state of policing in this country and how it works. But I know there are some people sprinkled in who just really want to affect positive change in their communities and help people who have been victimized. Those are always the cops who get killed. Those are the ones who and get those got. Those are the cops that no other cops like because they follow the rules too much. And and they're not in it for the ego trip. They're not in it for the feel, the rush of power right, and control yeah. over other people. They're in it to actually help somebody. And that just grinds their gears those corrupt power hungry bastards yeah i mean my experience with the cops has always been pleasant it's always <laughs> been <laughs> yeah, when i when i was when i was, when I was, the same. When, I was the same. when i was a looney tunes in new york and i was i was just like running up to police officers to tell them conspiracy theories they were always very nice. They were always... <laughs> <laughs> they were cool about it. They were cool about it. They would listen for like a minute or two and be like, all right, move it along, sir. <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mine have not been that great. So... I get, Yeah, I can not, see how, I can see why that would be, yeah. Not all of them have been bad, of course. And it's not even all the white cops that have been bad. I've had some black cops really, really take liberties. And mm-hmm. I had to kind of just some uncle ruckuses, you know what I'm saying? I had to really <laughs> like just grit my teeth and get through it. Yeah, it seemed like that there were at times they were trying to like poke me, like they were trying to get me to react in that yeah. quote unquote black woman way. Like they were trying to give get me to give them a reason to mm-hmm. treat me like shit. But I'm more concerned with getting home than I am with getting my point across. So thank God yeah. for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, being a cop is a, you know you have to be a sucker. You know you should do podcasting. Um, <laughs> Wait, Dalton, I have to pee. Hold on. <laughs> all right. My my bladder. Okay. How long have we been on the, I mean, is this already on the Patreon? Maybe I'll release this whole thing for free as a celebration of uh, a wonderful week of Black News. But normally what I do is uh, chop these up into two parts. And there's a free episode and then a premium episode over on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. That's where you'll get access to all of the premium episodes and... Bonus content 
$5 tier, $10 tier, $15 tier, the $25 tier uh, gets you access to all of the premiums and bonuses that are available. Plus, you'll receive the Fraternal Order of Corn Fed decal, making you an official member of the Royal Order of Corn Fed. Uh, uh, join the fiefdom, get the decal. Uh, you'll subscribe to the $25 tier and receive the decal after three months. So it is $75 for a sticker. Uh, but, uh, you know, to sweeten the pot, uh, once you sign up for the $25 tier, you are welcome to send me a list of your enemies and I will call for a jihad upon them on the show. And then after the three months, when you get the sticker, you can be a guest on the show. And now we're back. Oh boy, okay. I've drank a lot of Prosecco and a lot of water today. <laughs> no worries. Uh, we've been going along. I think I think this episode I might put the whole thing out for free as a as a to give everyone a taste of the full. Why, why are you giving them my pussy for free, dog? That's not right. the dream. I can chop. <laughs> I can chop it. I can chop it up. I can chop and screw it like I've been doing. No, um, but we. I, I, I say let the people hear. Yeah, I know because I know. Yeah, I normally chop these up and do a little, mm-hmm. do a little taste, and then a premium. But this one might be, folks. Hey, you know, you got to check out the full double D's experience <laughs> on this one. <laughs> the full double D. I mean, technically, isn't a triple D who says I'm DD and you're Dalton? Um, I guess so. It's triple D's, but triple, you know we're here. I have double D, D tits, and I think you about to have the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what let's have each other girly murder. Um, speaking of, speaking murder. of mur- speaking of murder, murdering. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. did you watch the Chappelle special? Of course I did. Um, <laughs> I just I heard good things. I heard that he's being less explaining and more joking. Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. I you know people were posting all the stuff that they hated online. And Which I I've saw, avoided. yeah, I saw all the clips, like the trans stuff and whatever. Uh, but most of the special was pretty good, and it is funny that you know he's taken on the role of almost like civil rights activist or or prominent thinker of our time. Has and the, well, that's what that's like what people have said about him that he he seems to be adopting this persona of more of a. Uh, you, you know, like a Dick Gregory, An intellectual type. yeah, like a like a Dick Gregory or a James Baldwin type of guy. But he's been and, so wrong about so many things. How could that be so? I don't know. But what's funny about it is this special is called The Dreamer, mm-hmm. and at one point in the special, if I remember right, I he he closes with this really long bit about the power of dreams and following your dreams and i i think he literally at one point says the words i have a dream so you know <laughs> i mean the last thing he did that i liked was uh that one what was it called 842 oh the one he put out during the pandemic yeah that was the last one he did that i really really fucking like i love the bird paradox and equilibrium i love those uh the bird the paradox. I love the bird. Is that what it was called? I think it was the bird paradox. I can't remember. But um, that was the. I, I love those those first ones that he came back out with. Those were great. That one he put out that was largely about the George Floyd rise. I love that. Um, 
but those last two that I don't even remember the name of. Uh, well, it was just kind of eh. It was it was enjoyable. I I think the funniest outcome is that you know there were a couple of days that people were talking about it. And then it, it immediately got overshadowed by uh, just an interview with Cat Williams. That, Isn't that funny? Yeah, <laughs> nobody nobody gives a shit about it now. Honestly, um, I was today uh, when we were supposed to be doing whatever earlier. I was actually watching Equalizer three, and that was the decision I had to make. That was the coin toss: do I watch so, Equalizer three or do I watch the Dream? I have had so many people. Three. So many people have reached out to me and told me I need to watch Equalizer 3. <laughs> I love all of them, though. I've like, seen I none just... of them. Are they that good? Is it Black John Wick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And unlike John Wick, he don't get his ass beat all the time. <laughs> See, that's what I love about John Wick is he gets his ass beat. John Wick got his ass beat over and over and over again. That man should not be alive. He, like, he should not have survived. Up. He should not have survived four movies. Like that's why that's why I love John Wick. That and that was that was why I loved uh the Crank movies with Jason Statham. I love a mm. movie about a badass who who is very skilled at being a badass, but who also gets his ass beat <laughs> on his in, in his adventures. <laughs> I, I I like Equalizer because number one, he doesn't get his ass beat all the fucking time. And you know, it's one of those things like it's so it's so anti-ageist and I love that. Yeah. It's like look like look at this old motherfucker just kicking <laughs> ass. You know what I'm saying? But he does it with strategy. He's a strategy man. Mm-hmm. And he he thinks ahead. You know, he he knows his shit. And that's how he's able to persevere because he he hits them with the tactical shit. And I think that's what I like so much about it. So that's yeah. just me. But John John Wick gets his ass beat because there's like boss fights all the time. Yeah, so like he's five five a film at least. Yeah, he's he strategizes and he's good at, at clearing a room of goons and henchmen. But then there'll be a boss fight. There'll be like some guy with a sword or a flail or a mace. And then, you know, that's when he gets his ass beat, isn't it? <laughs> but John Wick is more like a video game. Like, John Wick feels like I'm going through gameplay. And, uh, except he doesn't get, like, respawns. He doesn't get, <laughs> there, there's no box with, He like, kind of does, because, I mean, the end of the third movie, he should have died. <laughs> he, died. He was definitely dead, but he didn't. I mean, they're fun. You know, I love, I love big, dumb, fun movies. But I love all of them. No, I watched uh when I went to Madrid, I watched John uh Wick Four on the plane. Oh nice. You went to Madrid? Yeah, I did. For what? Uh, for work. Oh, okay. And gotta tell you, Madrid was mid. Just <laughs> Madrid? Madrid is what they should change it to. Uh I was like the only black girl ever anywhere. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. I got looked at like a unicorn when I walked inside like a, a a nightclub one night. They were just like they wanted to touch me, but they were afraid. Right. Um, uh, do you have um, speak, you know, in the same vein as Equalizer? That my my shit right now is on Paramount Plus. Oh you no. Par- do you have Paramount that's the old Plus? People network. Yeah, that's the old people. Oh network. well, get ready, dude. I found the I found the best old people show of all time on Paramount Plus. Juice? 
Cooper or two? No. <laughs> I, I, I can't sing the praises of this show enough. Tulsa King. Tulsa King. Do you know about Tulsa King? No, what is that about? You gotta watch Tulsa King. Okay, so it's Sylvester Stallone is the the, the, the oh, titular. Oh, I have seen I have seen that because it reminded me of Yellowstone, but like not. It's not, no, it's not like Yellowstone. It's more like, um, what would I compare it to? I mean, it is kind of like Equalizer or some like, maybe like Sons of Anarchy, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I never really liked Sons of Anarchy, but it's kind of in that same vein. It's like a mo- Godfather of Harlem, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's a, it's just a big, dumb, fun, like action gangster show. Cause it's, is it's, it like Fargo? No, it's not as cerebral as Fargo. It's really okay. stupid. It's re- it's just really fun because it's it's seventy five year old Stallone, and his character's getting out of prison after twenty five years. And well, hell, the the mob family that he has like uh, sacrificed like a third of his life for because he refused to flip on them. You know, now it's like he, he, they're supposed to take care of him. You know, he's going to have a meeting right. and right. see like how how's he going to return back to this life. You got to be set for life after that. If you ain't flip on a bike, yeah, you sit down. So they tell him, you know, the business is different now. We're not making money in New York the way we used to. So you got to go to Tulsa. And he's like, "What the fuck is in Tulsa?" Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. So, so they, wait, let me guess. He's he's selling oxy and heroin. Is that what I'm to understand? You're close. Uh, we, weed and whippets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Tulsa, yeah. in Tul- he goes to Tulsa, and he he's just the big the biggest like dick swinginest coolest guy in Tulsa now. Obviously, yeah, and he's, he's from shaped- the big city. Yeah, and so the the first thing he does is hires a a chauffeur a chauffeur, some black guy at the airport. And I know, I know, I was about to say, I bet, I bet the chauffeur is black. <laughs> it's a black Before guy. I can get it out of my mouth. A, a black guy at the airport offers to give him a ride he's a taxi driver and then it, during the car ride stallone is like how about you, who are you making this taxi and he, he's like you work for me now i'll give you two thousand a week star now you know <laughs> and um so he the in so the he the black taxi driver takes him they're driving and stallone sees a dispensary and he goes what is that and the guy no, goes yeah the guy goes that's a dispensary as you know they sell weed there and he goes stop here we got i gotta go in this place and he goes into a dispensary and he shakes down a dispensary for to do a protection racket like wow just real quick on the way home from the airport yes the owner of the dispensary played by the right quick played by the great martin star like work stallone goes in there and he tells martin star he's like "Is is it what we're gonna do you you know you're gonna need protection, and Martin Starr is like, "Well, this is a legal business, and there's no crime in this area." And, and so Stallone gives him some bullshit where he's like, "Yeah, but what about the feds? You know, it's only, it's only legal. The states, the states legalized it, but the feds could be in here any minute, and you're gonna need me." And it's like, what? Do, I don't even know what his plan is to protect him against the feds. I don't know what his plan is, but he he nonsensical. Yeah, but he shakes he he shakes down this dispensary and he's like, "You're gonna give me twenty percent every week, and I protect you." And <laughs> no joke, geriatric ass seventy five year old Sylvester Stallone 
is kicking the shit out of everyone wow. in Tulsa. He He's beat, in here with me. <laughs> he beat the fuck out of everyone in Tulsa. It's so good. He's 75. And that's why I love the, that's why I love the equalizer. Denzel don't fight that much. He shoot the fuck out of people. But he doesn't fight. No, in this, in this show, Stallone is, is not only fighting, a lot of people, he's knocking out in one punch. <laughs> he's out cold. One punch from 75-year-old still is so good. It's so fucking good. And, and yeah, and eventually he tries to also get into the whippet business, which draws the ire of the local motorcycle gang. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. Paramount Plus rocks. Paramount Plus has a lot going on, and I can't. I mean, I have been watching the Return of Fraser. I'm not gonna front. I like it. Uh, <laughs> you serious? I watched the first episode, and I was like, "Who wants to watch Fraser without Roz, without Niles, without Martin, without Daphne, without there, Bulldog?" There have been times where I'm kind of like they're trying to for it because like there's the son of Niles who they're trying to make Niles, but I'm like, he's not Niles. That's he can't be that. You know, and there's the the dean uh, of the school that they're trying to make like a fake Daphne. She's not Daphne. You know, she can't be Daphne. Um, So it's just. So there are these things that I'm kind of like, oh, y'all trying to force it. And like his son's homegirl, he tried trying to make her into you know, the new rise. And then his son is trying to make it into a new version of his father. Like, it's very much like this. You can see where they're trying to put the same pieces in place with different people. Yeah. But also, hold on. He's back in Boston. Mm-hmm. Where is Cheers? Where's Sam? Where's Cliff? I know. I know. You're where in Boston. Go see your friends. Are we going to run into, to what's his name with the big head? Dan. Uh... Norm? Not Norm. Well, yes. Also Norm. Where's Norm? Where's Norm? <laughs> We don't want to see Norm. But what's his name? Not Chevy Chase. He's the other one. The one that used to fuck on Whoopi Goldberg. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. That's, that's yeah, cool. Sam. That's Sam Malone. Yes. Like, where? Come on, man. We Sam Mayday Malone. Yeah. Where's what your buddies? What about old girl? The tight one that he used to be married to. Like, where's she at? You know, let's, let's see. Real Lil- girl. Lilith? Let's, yeah, Lilith, like real person. No, Lilith is in the new show, right? B- the BB. No, I haven't seen her. BB Newworth. B- no, I haven't seen her. I saw some clips that she is in it. Is she? Because I've been watching, like I've watched like the first five or six episodes. I haven't seen her yet. Mm. I saw a clip where she was in it, and she's she's definitely older, but she's looking good. She does BB Newworth because she used to be a Madam Secretary, which I love. And BB Newworth is a bad bitch. I just gotta you know keeping it above. Yeah, BB Newworth. Yeah, she's looking good. She's looking real good. Yeah, people are people are aging better now. You see that picture Halle Berry posted? She's looking good. Well, Halle Berry like fights people all day. Like she just <laughs> Selma Hayek pushing sixty. Selma, man, Selma Hayek, that's a badass broad right there. But you know, we've we've had these for a while. Like your Helen Mirrens, as it were. Share. <laughs> Share. Oh. Oh, uh, Angela Bassett. You know, you got some some badass old broads out there. I mean, it's not yeah. uncommon anymore. That's um, true. But then, so, you who, know, who wouldn't fuck on Helen Mary? I ask you. I challenge you. Kel, but like Kelly McGill is aged so poorly, they wouldn't. She, they wouldn't even bring her back for the new Top Gun. 
Let's look at her. Let's see. Kelly. She was the love interest in the original Top Gun. Yeah, I know. Oh, shit. I wanted to see what she looked like now. And goddamn. Oh, it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's, yeah. oh, it's not bad. Because there was a time I see as an older bro, she was still looking good, but it just took a turn. Yeah, it's probably it's menopause. Not, it's not. Not, it's not, not something that should be on screen with Tom Cruise. That's really... <laughs> and you look at the side by side it's just like is this the same bro I know right some people just do not age well I'm not gonna shame her for that we all have to get older amen we all gotta go that way oh yeah I don't, know, I don't know how I'm gonna look at the tender age of 70 like we don't there's yeah. no telling do you ever wear like a like those bonnets you know you can start wearing a what, what is it what are, the, what are those things that black ladies wear is it a bonnet? <laughs> is it, it's like some kind. Of, it's some kind of like hybrid shower cap and do rag. It is a. It is a bonnet. But do you see my hair? Or the yeah, I know you don't have enough hair for it right now. But I feel like as an older black lady, you could be one of the bonnet late like bonnet. No, as an older black lady, I'm gonna wear a do rag and have like a loose cigar, like a loose <laughs> cigarette, like sticking out of it, like. <laughs> Always shuffling cards and shit. Like, hey, nigga, what's up? Hell yeah. <laughs> what's going on, dark? Standing yeah, outside a... of my porch, just looking menacing as clear at the youths. Yeah. What's up, young blood? What's going on, school? Hey, what's that? What's that? that's going to be me yeah you're always in <laughs> like always in pajama pants always always in a white beater always yeah yeah that's uh, that's that'll be you as an older woman <laughs> just ha having loud conversations on speakerphone uh everywhere uh <laughs> No, not even that. Just like always, like just seems very suspicious of everyone. Like trust no one, but everybody mm -hmm. seems to know me and like me, and I don't trust nobody. Fuck all y'all. Yeah. I. What you mean? I don't even own a cell phone. I only got a landline. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck. Yeah, you'll be. Yeah, you'll. I mean, yeah, you'll be ba basically Medea. Yeah. <laughs> and I always have something in a paper bag. Could it be Old English? <laughs> Maybe Wild Irish Rose. We don't I, know. If I still drink, if I still drink, I'd be <laughs> fucking up some Mickey's. <laughs> you know, was... we don't know what it is today. Is it is it a 24-ounce shiner? We'll never know. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, I mean I miss I miss 40s of Mickey's. That was my yeah. that was my choice. <laughs> I was a steel reserve gal, as one might <laughs> one might <laughs> man. I love me some high gravity. <laughs> high gravity, yeah. Steel reserve and what was the other one? Cobra? <laughs> Maybe. I used to fuck up some steel reserves. When I, when I first moved to Dallas, um, again, I'm fresh out of like home of Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. So what does that mean? I'm still a hood rat. So I used to live in Ulysses when I first moved. The mid-cities. The mid-cities. That's what, when I first got here. That's where I lived. Truly and mid. Up, truly mid. Truly. <laughs> and I didn't have a car when I moved. So I, I no car, but every Friday without fail, I would walk to the Bolero up the street, give me two black and miles and two steel reserves. And that would be my whole weekend. And this is like my whole first year. This is 2012 to 2013. Before I started doing comedy again, before I knew anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's me every weekend, two black and miles and two steel reserves. Now I know now that... I cook, sit at the house chill, watch Netflix. Now Stereotypically, I under, I know that that, that those things, uh, forty of still reserve and black and miles, 
are associated with black people. But that might just be more of a being broke thing because I've done that many that too. times. That too. <laughs> I've I have Absolutely. gone I've been in a gas station plenty of times and bought the exact same combination of items. And it might be it might Mickey's, be, be a Cold 45, be it a Cobra, OE, whatever the case. Yeah, yeah. A Cobra, OE, or Saint a giant Eyes. Bud Light. Yeah, a big giant Bud Light, whatever. But, but. Natty Ice, Bud Ice, right. Mickey, like any one of those, and then you know, either black and milds or like backwoods or, or like something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I've done that plenty that was of my times. life for eight an entire year. That was my life. You would have thought I was selling dope. You would have thought I was I mean when when, when I was when I was in New when I was in New York, I would I would do that. I'd buy like tall boys of like you know, some malt liquor or maybe like Coors Light or something or Modelo, yeah. like tall boys. <laughs> yeah, Rather... the big Modelo. I love me a big Modelo. Yeah, in, instead of shit. getting instead of getting like a case of beer, it'd be like tall boys and then like a loose, yeah. a loosey. So I get like two, what... two tall boys and one Newport. And I'm like, yeah, I think this is just a money thing. <laughs> yeah, this is my weekend. This is yeah. me living it up. Yeah, this is not this is this is not exclusive to to black. This is not a black thing. I've I've found in my anthropological yeah. studies that. But you know what? A lot of stuff that people think is black stuff is just country stuff. I feel like that's just some country. There's stuff. also that, yeah. I mean, because that you know that I noticed that early on, like growing up, that what, what would have typically be like associated with black people is like soul food or black food. It's just country shit. Literally, <laughs> just the, that was all the same shit my grandma cooked. There was like no distinction between like if you went to a black house in the south or my grandma's you got, you got some pork chops or something you got you some smother pork chops some yeah. stew chicken something yeah it'd be it'd greens. be like fried chicken or pork chops fat back collard greens turnip greens black some eyed steak. peas yeah some potatoes mashed potatoes sweet potatoes something the only know? the only thing that my i think the the the, the distinction Mm -hmm. is chitlins i don't know a single white family i don't eat chitlins i don't yeah. eat that shit at all i just don't They're i don't not... know yeah a lot of people don't eat them i like i know that there's some people that do but i've never met a single white family that will eat chitlins well because that's because y'all never had to eat the whole hog and that's the thing it's a whole hog thing <laughs> i know and so that comes from slavery times because my mother, and I just still don't understand it. Like, my mother, she doesn't eat chitlin. She doesn't like it. But my mother will love, like, a pickled pig lip. Oh, I fuck with that. <laughs> like I mean, pig. I fucked up a jar of pickled pig's feet. Yeah. Pig's feet. Pig ear. Like, just. I've eaten, I've eaten, pit, like, crackling. Odds. Yep. Yeah, oh, crackling's good. I love crackling. <laughs> I can't do none of it. I can't. I've eaten tons of that, like just pork odds and ends. I've done that's that. Say, that's, that's country shit. That's know, like one of, one of the like recipe. One of my grandma's like favorite recipe. My favorite recipe that my grandma used to make is this like southern stew called Brunswick stew. Mm -hmm. And the main ingredient in it is just a like a whole hog's head. Hog head cheese, or did she do hog head cheese? It's not a hog head cheese, but you get you get like a hog's head, and that's yeah, the, that's the meat for the stew. Yeah, my people would eat that too. Uh, yeah. Like, but hog head cheese too. My mama likes some hog head cheese and crackers. Yeah, and I've I've had hog head cheese. I've had pork brains. I've I've done that. I can't um, do none of it. Give me a roll store pork chop with some ham or some bacon. Other than that, yeah, 
And it's fun. It's funny how other cultures have like some versions of this. Because I've had chitlins at a Korean well, barbecue. Menudo, menudo and shit. Uh, yeah, I've I've had chitlins at a Korean barbecue restaurant. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they, well, well, you know, in Asia, they don't waste nothing. They don't waste <laughs> nothing. Those videos are gnarly. Have you seen those like Chinese cooking videos? Where they, take, they take a Have whole I? fucking chicken and cook it, like burn it alive. What is that? The beak? <laughs> like what is Now here. Like, I just... Now, Didi, here's the question that's on everybody's minds when it comes to race relations. Okay, I'm ready. Are we supposed to be washing our chicken? So look. <laughs> yeah, the great debate these days. Do, do... The chicken washing it. <laughs> what are you doing? There are people who are doing too much. I remember Faji used to have a joke where he said, starting from the bottom is when somebody tells you to wash the chicken and you take out the dawn and you literally wash. But there are people who really feel like you need to do that. You need I've to get seen in that. That's psychotic. That's crazy. That's insane. When I think of washing chicken, I think of sitting it in a room temperature water to defrost it and then draining that water off. Okay. Or or for um for the sake of like flavor and also um kind of disinfecting and making sure that it retains its moisture, um you rub um like lime or lemon on it. Yeah, like a brine. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but when they say wash it, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't hose it. it. You don't hose it off in the sink. <laughs> like I said, I'll defrost it. I'll sit it in room temperature water. Right. To defrost the chicken. Or I will rinse it off. Like, you know, you put it like in, you know, one of those big metal bowls, you run water over it and you pour the water out. Like, just almost like the way you wash rice, except yeah. not as many passes, you know. Yeah. I. I didn't know it was a thing until recently. Like I didn't know but the that fact they... that they make it a thing, like you have to go through a process with it. Like I'm not doing all that. I'll run some water over it and call it a day. But yeah, yeah, because people are literally washing it. Mm, no. Yeah, because I knew. Uh, you know, the the conversation has been had many times about how you know white white people ain't be seasoning their food. Y'all don't. But, it's fine. Except in the South. I'll eat, I'll eat at some Southern white folks, like some real Southern white people, not people who moved from the Midwest and came down, but like some real Southern white folks. I fucks with y'all. But anything other than that, especially as somebody from no Minnesota, no Ohio, you can't cook nothing for me. I will say, I, I never, I didn't get it for the longest time because I've always seasoned my food. But until I started going over, like, really paying attention to how, like, some of my relatives and other people I know cook, and it really is like, man, you guys are not seasoning this food. You take a can of peas and just pour it in a pot and just heat it up and that's it? What the fuck? Yeah, I got relatives who just don't even use fucking salt. And I'm like, you you guys are out of your goddamn mind. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, like you go but my, my house... Yeah. My my house always we always had Lowry's we always had Tony Chasseries we we had like every seasoning. But you're like Cajun people down here like you're not gonna go to no Cajun people house and they not seasoning their food that's not gonna happen. That's, no, that's just but, not a thing. Yeah, so I knew about the seasoning, but the the washing the chicken that was a new revelation for me. Yeah, I feel like I'm at, I feel like some black folk go too hard with that chicken washing stuff. Like I can see running some water over it like lukewarm warm water to like get the temperature right to cook it 
or just to like get that top layer or whatever off and just rinse it real quick and drain the water out. You might, you might know more about this because I think that speaks to the broader conversation. So I guess like sociologically about uh, the white people's versus black people's relationship to just hygiene in general. Hey, y'alls. I hope everyone's enjoying this episode of Double D's with DDT and Dalton only on the Billionaire Podcast Network. Ka-ching! Bing, 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 bing! Did, did, did you fill her up? Uh, this is a really long one. <laughs> we recorded a smidge over five hours. So I'm cutting it up. This was the first half, the free half, and the second part. This was this was part one. Part two is over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. Five dollars for as little as five dollars a month, you'll get access to the premium episode for this this episode of Double D's with DDT and Dalton, and you'll also get access to all of the premium episodes and bonus content that the network has to offer. The Billionaire Podcast Network, ching ming 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 ming, filler up, a subsidiary of Cornfed Industries. That's Patreon.com/slash Cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. Five dollars a month, ten dollars a month gets you all of the premium episodes most content plus a shout out on the show $15 a month gets you all of that plus a kiss on the lips and then the $25 a month here that's the one all that plus the fraternal order of corn fed decal which will be sent to you after three months of having been subscribed so it is effectively $75 for a sticker, but that will um, make you a landed gentry of the Royal Order of Corn Fed. You will become a Duke of the Corn Fiefdom, and, you know, once, once you do sign up for that tier right away, you're welcome to send me a list of your enemies, and I will call for a jihad upon them on the show. And then once you receive the decal, if you want, you can be a guest on the show. We'll interview you. Uh, So once again, that's patreon.com. Dude, I don't know why I'm breathing so hard. All I did was just take a dump. (laughs) I'm out of breath. Patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. Thank you so, so much, everybody, for tuning in to all of the shows we have here on the network, the Billionaire Podcast Network, a subsidiary of Corn Fed Industries. Head on over to the Patreon for part two of my conversation this week with DDT. Uh, That's Double D's with DDT and Dalton. Thank you. I love you. Uh, Bye. I see trees of green. Red roses too, I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, I see skies of blue, 
and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, the colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Oh, yes.